powered from the Perdomo Cigar Studios on the Black Stage in Indian Trail, North Carolina, and broadcasting from down under outside Brisbane, Australia. It's episode 82 of the Primetime Jukebox. Tonight, we take a look at Madonna, her career, her works, and a whole lot more. And as always, the Primetime Jukebox is sponsored by Perdomo Cigars. Awarded Nicaraguan Cigar of the Year in 2014 by Cigar Journal, the Perdomo 20th Anniversary brand has consistently earned the highest scores in the industry and is a top seller in humidors around the world. The Perdomo 20th Anniversary blend requires tobacco has been carefully hand-selected and are well-aged for a minimum of eight years. The Perdomo 20th Anniversary is offered in three distinct wrappers, a smooth, creamy Ecuadorian Connecticut, a rich, earthy Cuban seed Nicaraguan Sun Grove, and a dark, oily Cuban seed Nicaraguan Maduro. Combining these beautifully bourbon belly's wrappers with thick high priming binder and filled tobaccos gives each blend a balanced complexity with layers of rich flavors and smooth, elegant aromas. Perdomo's got a family-owned and operated company headquartered in Miami, Florida, with manufacturing and agricultural facilities in Esteli, Nicaragua. Perdomo's highly acclaimed cigar brands include the Perdomo State Selection Vintage, the Perdomo Double H 12-year Vintage, Perdomo 20th Anniversary, Perdomo Reserve 10th Anniversary, Perdomo Bono Bourbon Barrel-Aids, Perdomo Lot 23, Perdomo Menso 70, and many more. For great tasting notes and pairing information, check out the Perdomo website at www.perdomocigars.com. And while I mentioned Aganorsa Leaf, this month, uh, Aganorsa Leaf on their YouTube channel, on their Aganorsa Experience Series, is talking about validation. And uh, Vice President of Sales, Terrence Riley, will be taking you through the process of validation at Aganorsa Leaf and how they use it as part of their day-to-day processes. And you can access the Aganorsa Experience by going to www.cigar-coop.com. Click on the sidebar where it says Aganorsa Experience, and it will take you to that YouTube channel where you'll see that video and a whole lot more content. So check that out. And of course, you can visit Aganorsa Leaf at their website at www.aganorsaleaf.com. And of course, we want to mention Jerry Tobacco. The authentic Corojo leaf is one of the most robust and flavorful tobacco leaves out there. During the golden age, the cigars of Cuba is a leaf of choice to make some of the world's greatest cigars. Because it is one of the most challenging ones to cultivate, it fell out of favor by the 1990s. In the Hamasran Valley in Honduras, Julio Aroa took on the challenge of growing Corojo from these Israel seeds. And in 2000, they successfully reintroduced authentic Corojo back to the market. With over 50 years experience in the tobacco business from growing and curing tobacco to cigar production, the Jerry Tobacco Farm has been able to continue to deliver products to market with authentic Corojo. Now with Jerry Tobacco, Hulinus and Hosto bring their very own brand to market, each containing that authentic Corojo leaf. Aladino is available in a wide variety of blends, including the latest release, the Aladino Classic, that all these cigars will represent that golden age of cigars from 1947 to 1961. Now available at your local retailer, be sure to ask for Jerry Tobacco, a legacy that is tasted in every drawer. And finally, by Drew Estate. Check out and download the Drew Diplomat app for your mobile device. Keep up with everything going on Drew Estate. Experience the subculture that is the rebirth of cigars. It's available on iTunes or Google Play. For more information, check out www.drewdiplomat.com. Com. And as always, all the live streaming for the Primetime Network of Shows is sponsored exclusively by Drew Estate, as well as the California Studios for the Thursday Primetime Show. Well, welcome everybody. This is Primetime Jukebox, episode 82. We are in this mid-October 2022 um, for this show. Um, or it's a mid-October 2022 edition of the show. This is Will Cooper here um, in the uh, Perdomo Studios on the Black Stage. And I'm joined uh, on the other side of the world 
in the Southern Hemisphere, in the Eastern Hemisphere, by my good friend and colleague, Mr. Dave Burke. Hello, Coop. How are you doing today? I'm doing really good. It's been a great week. Oh, uh, yeah. It's been a fantastic week. And boy, we have some great music to talk about today. Yeah, this has been a show that we've been sort of talking about off and on for a long time doing. Yeah. And then we just sort of jumped in and did it. Yeah, yeah. We, you know, we have a list of topics and some of the topics we get through and some of them we have to rearrange because we're trying to either get a guest or just time something out. And I said, hey, Dave, let's just why don't we just do this one if you got the bandwidth to do it? Um, and yes, yeah, so we got this one in, uh, which is which is we're going to be talking about uh, Madonna and her career today. Madonna, Madonna show today, which is very exciting. Yep. Um, no, I'm very, I'm very excited for the show. Uh, yeah, it's going to be it's going to be interesting. Um, before we get into that, Coop, you got a lot of uh, you got a lot of Philly news. Your Phillies. Yeah. So if you are watching this on Monday night, um, the, the, the well, we don't know where the <laughs> Phillies are. If the Phillies are going to be what, what the status of this series is yet is all I'm just going to say. So we are recording this and the Phillies are up two to one in this series over the Padres. So a lot could be happening. We could be trailing the Padres. We could be leading the Padres. Um, maybe even the series could be over. And I'm not even going to say the words um, if that happens. Right? <laughs> but as I, I have been very much um, a one game at a time guy with this. I have not, uh, <laughs> but it's been exciting. But, you know, um, the Phillies actually have, um, they have a song for their run. And, you know, we Mm. see this happen with teams a lot, particularly underdog teams. They kind of get behind the song and it becomes their song for the run. Um, A couple of examples. um, In 2019, uh, the St. Louis Blues won the Stanley Cup and they got behind the song Gloria by Laura Branigan, Mm. which ironically, somehow that started at a game outside of Philadelphia. But I don't remember the whole story how that started. Right. Okay. Yep. Um, the uh, Freeway of Love was actually mm. used by a radio host in New York City named Mike Francesa when the Yankees won that World Series in 1996, where they right. were to the Braves. So, uh, and that's where I stole the pink Cadillac idea from, actually. Mm. Uh, but he, because he stopped, he only did it that one year in '96, and then he put it away, and it never happened again. So. Right. So, okay. But the Phillies have a song, um, and the song is a song by Callum Scott. It's called Dancing on My Own. Um, it's a remix mm. version of this song by Tiesto. Um, this was also covered by Robin, an artist, Robin, um, if I don't folks have heard of her. But the, so Dancing on My Own, if you listen to that song, like the original version, it's a very slow song. Mm. It's, it's like You wouldn't think of it as a song for a run, but. The remix version's got a little kick to it. Not a, it's not a, it's not like this hard, heavy song, right? But it's more of a song that you could sing mm-hmm. along to. But the, the remix gives it a little more tempo, is what I found with it. Um, okay. And, and the interesting story: this was came over. It was Kyle Schwarber who uh, led the National League in home runs this year. Um, he got he he found out about this song when he was playing for the Red Sox last year, and if people remember, the Red Sox went to the ALCS last year, mm-hmm. um, and they were they were kind of this song was playing in their rock locker room, um, 
Schwarber took a liking to the song and he brought it over to the Phillies locker room and they started okay. to this. And, you know, but I don't think a lot of people knew what they were doing, but when we won the series with the Braves, it became very obvious. And now, now this song is blasting all over Philadelphia um, as we speak. So, uh, well, well, hopefully thing, yeah. they can uh, keep the run going, Coop. Hopefully well, they keep the run going and the song makes it uh, nationwide here. Yeah, I mean, you know, when teams get these, like I said, when the, I remember when the St. Louis Blues got the Gloria one, it, it, it almost gives them a little boost. Um, and it, it makes, you know, I'm watching that other series, the Houston Yankees series, and it's so corporate, that series, right? Mm. I, I feel, especially on the Yankees, the Yankees have no emotion ever they're like just corporate show houston has a little bit more emotion i think you know i think they want to win for dusty but again but the phillies are all just raw it's all raw emotion going on right now and they're they're, they're really playing on adrenaline right now this is what it's, it's it's entirely been driven on adrenaline and things like this i think are helping that mm. Mm. oh well let's uh let's hope because i think uh if they get to the uh world series i mean they're going to be the the America's team, surely. You know, and that's what happened with the Giants. Um, although Cowboy fans got mad when I said America's, but when the Giants went to those Super Bowls against the Patriots, they were very low seeds. They had a run, and this country got behind them, whether you like it or not. Um, you know, the, we the, in the U.S. we get behind the underdogs most of the time, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so. Uh, in this case, we, it is definitely uh, like I've never if you asked me if we were two games away from a World Series um, a month ago, I would have laughed at you. <laughs> That's right. And if you asked me a month ago, if we would get two games from a World Series, I would sign up for it in a heartbeat. So I can't get upset if they lose this series. And it's it's like it's still a series. They have a lot of work to do. This is not going to be an easy out. Mm, the mm. Padres, if the Padres get to our bullpen. It's going to be it's anyone's game. If we if we do what Charlie Manuel says, just hit the ball, <laughs> just keep hitting the just ball, hit and score a lot of runs. We won't have a problem. Yeah, but we got to score mm. a lot of runs. Well, I mean, I'm just looking at the game stats for. For today, uh, is this a home game for you, Coop? Yes. So we play yep. today and tomorrow at home, which is, is Saturday they and Sunday. Of, they, they like to juice up the fans a bit. They this, you know, this city takes a lot of crap and a lot of it they bring on themselves. Right. I'm not going to, you know, I'm talking about the fans and the media, mm. you know, the way they act. Something. The media is the media is like the biggest bunch of like juveniles you've ever seen. Mm. It but when it comes to supporting their team and getting behind their team, they get behind it and they really have gotten behind the Phillies. And the other thing that's really cool is all the sports teams in Philadelphia, they really all support each other. So you know all the all the teams have been showing up at both the uh, Phillies and the Philadelphia Union, which are making a run at the MLS Cup right now. They're in the final. Mm. They're in the conference finals right now. So those two, that team's making a, a soccer run, you know. Um, 
So, I mean, it's exciting to see when these teams kind of rally behind each other. That didn't happen in New York. Teams didn't rally. Like, no. You know, the Yankees never rallied behind the Knicks or something like that. That's mm. what I'm saying. So, it, it, the only teams I saw rally with each other were the Rangers and Knicks because they play in the same arena and had the same owner. But that's oh, about it. Yeah. Yeah, well, yeah. That's about it. Yeah. I mean, the, 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 you know, the Nets aren't getting behind the Jets or anything like that. It just doesn't happen in New York. So, but Philly's a different story. They all, they all back there. They all back the other sports. It's so. pretty, it's pretty crazy that like two, uh, sub 90 win teams, the Padres and the Phillies are battling out for, to go to the World Series when so many 100 win teams have been booted out. You had you had a Dodger team, which people were talking about as a all time team, mm. like out. And then you have you know the world. We took out the world champions in four games, mm-hmm. it, you know. And uh, so it is really weird. The Mets, you know, Hector's Mets. Um, they look the Padres went through. Think about what the Padres went through to get here. They beat the Mets and the and the Dodgers. Two hundred yeah, yeah, win yeah. teams. This is the e- this should be their easiest series right now. And they're down two one. So no, it's crazy. Uh, so that's why I'm 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 looking at this Padres team is very dangerous. I I worry about this team. Um, I I respect this team. So we're playing a very good baseball club right now. So it's, it's playing at they're playing very well right now. As I'll say too. So you always got to watch that. You know, it's, you know, taking out the Dodgers was no easy task. No, no, I can imagine. Yeah. yeah so. Uh, we're gonna. Oh, go ahead, Coop. Yeah, I mean, so it's it's between that and the Giants going five and one. It's been a good week. <laughs> uh, oh yeah, Giants, man. Yeah. What is wrong with uh, your Packers? Uh, I don't know. I mean, well, I mean, well, I do. I mean, I think it's a combination of no Devonte Adams. So they sort of got rid of him, but didn't really replace him with anyone, nope. which is a bad idea. Um, the the defense not living up to what. It was billed in the preseason. Right. And I just think I just think all of the uh, all the Rogers like circus is just caught up with the team, you know, like it's is he healthy? Do you think he's hurt? Well, I mean, he's what he's like 36. So I mean, maybe something's ball. He's just it doesn't seem like he's himself. I know there's a lot of stuff, but mechanically, he just doesn't seems like something's off with him right now. I mean, it could be. I mean, like I said, he's he's 36, so like, Father Time catches up with you. So I mean, yeah. it's a young man's game, really. But yeah, it really is, yeah. I mean, I just think that like when you had, like the combination of of Rogers and Devonte Adams was just amazing. Sure. So you get rid of that, like, yeah. Because even if you look at Devonte Adams, like he's an amazing receiver, but he had a good game a couple weeks ago, but he hasn't been setting the world on fire with the Raiders either. So I think it's that combination was just perfect. And they just haven't because it's a flow on effect. You know what I mean? Coop, like you get rid of Adams and then you're going to put your your best corner on the next guy. And it yep. just sort of like goes on from there. Exactly. Exactly. Um, And yeah, and I think all the Roger, I think all the Rogers circus has worn people out. It, it um, has. It has. So, I th- yeah. So it's not I mean, losing the Jets at home is not good. Losing to the Jets anywhere is not good. Yeah. <laughs> all due respect. And by the way, the Jets are playing some good ball right now. I mean, go figure. They are. I mean, break the, them up. The, the concern is with the Packers anyway, and I don't know what Bear thinks, but or or uh, Fred, but 
my concern is like with these games, it the it's not just that they're not the offense is like Rodgers isn't amazing, but like the Jets are scoring like twenty seven points coop and like the third string Patriots quarterback is like scoring. So I don't I don't know what's going on with the defense at all. No, I don't either. So that I don't know if it's like a lack of pass rush or they've always had kind of mediocre linebackers. So I don't know if that's an issue. But yeah. uh, but your your Giants coop on the flip side. Your well, Giants coop. They get into the fourth quarter. They're making it happen. And they they come to play. I mean, they don't play the loot. They they don't. You know, a lot of these like guys who have new coach. And I'm starting to really get won over by the coach, right? A lot of these new coaches, they play not to lose in the fourth quarter. Mm. This guy plays to win in the fourth quarter. He plays to win. And his team plays to win. And it's a there's a big difference going on. Um, so it's it's really I mean, we have a tough schedule. Again, I gotta be realistic, the schedule gets very tough for us the next few weeks. So I, I would not go any I would not take this team, you know, five and one, we can easily finish nine and seven or eight and eight. Yeah, I mean but you gotta, I for me as an outside observer. Not, uh-huh. I mean, I was a fan of the Giants when I was a kid, so I really like Lawrence Taylor. Yeah, but uh, like, um, as and I, so I've always had a soft spot for the Giants. So like, I really liked it when they went to Super Bowl with Phil Sims, and right? Even Eli, like I always root for him to do well. But like, you gotta take it for real now. I mean, they beat the they beat the um felt the uh, the uh, uh, Ravens. Ravens, yeah, sorry. Yeah. They beat the Ravens. And 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 everybody said, oh, the Ravens are going to go to the Super Bowl this year. And they beat them. It, so you, you got to take them seriously. Yeah, I mean, we're, I'm obviously very pleased with them. Um, We got the Jaguars, which is all the makings of a trap game this week. It so, is. Um, yeah, And the Jaguars are much, they're two and four, but they're an improved two and four. They are all over the map, though. They, they play, they, they come to, they're playing hard, too. <laughs> and so... Yeah, I think you just hit it. They're all over the map, but they've been they, they could easily be four and two. Well, I think that it seems like the NFL this year, there's like three really good teams, the Bills, the Chiefs um, and then the Eagles. Right. Yep. And then the rest is just sort of like and, and then there's like 27 like average teams that can win any day. And then like a couple teams that are awful. Yeah. It just yeah. seems like you look at some of these matchups in games, Coop, and it's like, you know, Bears, Commanders, and like all this stuff. There's just so much just like average football out there at the moment. I mean, it could be really bad. You could be the Washington Commanders. Oh. The Carolina Panthers. Or the, or the Bears, Denver Broncos. Man. Or the oh. Denver Broncos. Oh. I mean. R- Wilson isn't even playing. And that. And now, because he's hurt or whatever, but that coach is, oh, my God. I always wonder if Wilson was hurt. That's, you know, why I said the same thing. I was actually wonder if Wilson was hurt. You know, it's just he, that Russell Wilson's too good to be that bad is what I oh, kept thinking to myself. Yeah, he is washed. But they. Oh, that coach that is co- awful. I mean. Oh, yeah. man. He he's so indecisive. I mean, he should be. I'm not a big fan of always having guys learn on the job to be a head coach. Now, now our, well, you're seeing it right now. You know but, what I mean? Yeah, but here's the interesting thing. Dable of the Giants and Hackett with the Broncos aren't these coordinators who were fast-tracked. These guys, Both those guys had a lot of years as coordinators. And it's amazing how good Dable has moved into the role and how bad Hackett's moved into the role. Well, I it think shows the problem average is, coach material. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think the issue is they, they the Giants got Hackett, or the Giants got Dable because he's a good coach. 
the Denver got hackers. They're trying to get Rogers. I think that was what they were doing. And so, like, if you don't, pick, if you pick your coach to try and get a quarterback yeah. instead of because he's a good coach, that's they, a problem. I mean, they could have had Doug Peterson. Doug Peterson oh. would have taken that job. He went to the Jag. I mean, instead he went to the Jaguars, and he's going to do well there. But I mean, that would have been you bring Doug Peterson in. Um, doesn't matter who your quarterback is. D- Doug Peterson's uh, that's his specialty is building quarterbacks. You know, he See, gets these guys to play beyond yeah. their ability in a lot of cases. Like the commanders, I mean, your owner's terrible and you hate everything. But and the Bears, like they didn't expect to do well this year. So if they're bad, it's not great as a fan. But you're like, eh, that's sort of what I thought. Yeah. But like the Broncos had so much hype, Coop. And they now were talk- they were people so talking about bad. them for the Super Bowl. They're so bad. Oh, you no! Know, it's bad when Sensei is already talking about the Colorado, the Colorado Avalanche in Game Three. <laughs> so. Like I don't know if the fire. I don't think the fire hack it during the year unless he just gets lit up by somebody. But you can't fire he's hack got, it. He's got to be gone. Year. He's got to be. Yeah, gone I mean, early. you got to let him finish the year out at this point. I mean, because you got to have a. I mean, then you're just gonna have to kind of start from. But I agree. I think he's. You know, sometimes you you could see it after the year. Like I had the feeling with Judge after that first mm. year that um he wasn't the guy. Um, just. And then, yeah. like, how much they're paying Wilson? Like, so I mean, sorry to go on and on about the no. NFL, but that team is, oh my god, that is, because it's not just bad this year, Coop. Yeah. The amount they invested into all those people, it's going to be bad the next couple years. Yeah, you know, I'll say this about you know bad teams like with the Panthers, okay? And they're they were bad. Guess yeah. what? They're doing something, right? Yeah. Um. Okay. Baker's hurt, right? Baker wasn't playing well, so he probably should have sat anyway. But you know what? What did they do? They 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 made a coaching change. Okay, and Mm. then they just traded McCaffrey for a Mm. lot of picks. And Robbie, I know Robbie Raz is thrilled about that trade. I'm sure he is. Gave up a lot to get him. So I'm looking at if I'm a Panthers fan, I got a lot of picks coming. And second, yeah, in the NFL are not they're, they're worth something. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So at least if you're a Panthers fan, you have some hope. Right. Yeah. You have well. Some, yeah. I mean, if you're if you're Denver, where I mean, you got to tear this whole just, down again. Yeah. I mean, but it just buries your team for the next yeah. couple of years because now your quarterback's done that you invested all this money in. You have to look for a coach again. Like you're looking at another. I mean, you're almost you're close, Coop, to going from. Yeah. You're close to going from. They're going to the Super Bowl to like you have to blow the whole thing up. Oh, I know. I I was telling you know? Eric last year. I said, Eric, I wouldn't get rid of Jeez. the coach. I'd give him one more year. Uh, and God. get him the quarterback that he hasn't had. That's the one thing the old coach didn't have was the quarterback. Get him the quarterback. And if he doesn't win with the quarterback, you want to make a change. That's fair. And they opted to change both, which I think was a mistake. But I think they nailed to... it, Dave. I think they were trying to get Rodgers in a package deal yeah. with Hackett. Yeah. They need to blow that thing out and get a get a good, like, get a top. They almost need to blow it up and tank and try and get a top 10 quarterback in a draft. Yeah. I mean, I think I think you do. I don't know if there's a free agent guy out there. I don't. I, don't I mean, know. if I was Denver, I'd be on the phone to Sean Payton right now. Mm. Sean, come to Denver, man. Name, name big market team is a big time franchise. <laughs> You're not going to get the cowboy job because they're doing. Nah. Like, I would be trying to lock Sean Payton up right now. That and 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 bring back what when Denver wins, it's because when they play offense, 
right? Mm. And remember they, they, when they brought Peyton Manning in there, you know, that's and Gary Kubiak, they were offensive minded guys, you know, make that Denver offense great again. Yeah, yeah. they because they got they got good receivers. But anyway, that's the defense speaking. isn't bad. The defense shouldn't be playing this bad either. But they're on the no. field a lot. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah. that's the problem, isn't yeah. it? Your offense. I mean, yeah. it's only so you can't just keep every team to like 10 points. Like, no, no, you can't. You're, you're exactly right. Oh, we'll move on from the NFL. I can, yeah. do, I can, we could do a whole show on the Denver Broncos. <laughs> we may have it to. It is look. crazy. I know. I know. Poor Doug. Sorry, um, Eric. Sorry, Eric. He's got a Stanley Cup, so like you shouldn't be complaining. Yeah, so, you'll be fine. in hockey. You got he'll a hockey be championship. Fine. No, no, he got a, a college hockey championship that year too. So he's What's got a couple championships. So like, I'm not gonna. He shouldn't be complaining. <laughs> yeah, go for the yeah. go for the Buffaloes. Yeah, watch, watch uh, college football. Yeah. Um. So music news, coop. So you can always email us at cigarjukebox@gmail.com. Yeah. First, some not so good news, and then some interesting Madonna news. So yep. we got. Win Butler of Arcade Fire is a problem. Sort of, yeah. There is a problem. So uh, he's been alleged to have uh, – there's a number of sexual assault claims against him from other women in the industry, just women in general, which Coop, like, you, you see these and people deny them. He's sort of, like, half denied them. <laughs> he, he did the whole, like – Yeah. He did the whole, like, well, you know – I've done some stuff I'm not that happy about, but I, you know it's okay. It's like wow. So he is a very smug guy. He's always been like this. He's got this smug. He's got this chip on his shoulder, and I'm not surprised at the reaction he's getting. I get so there. So uh, he's yeah. in trouble because that the denial is very weak. At least the ones I have read. Yeah. Um. And people like Beck, I think some other people have uh, gotten out of his tour, have like um, dropped off the tour. And so that that's sort of in trouble. So it's all sort of after coming out with a good record, it's all sort of uh, falling apart at the moment. Um, And he's not doing that any favors with how he's responding to everything. Um, So, yeah, Win Butler in a bit of in a bit of strife uh at the moment so yeah. it'll be interesting to see how this impacts the band i mean the band might break up for all i know like well his brother left the band all right yeah well. and his wife is the other co-leader of the band regina so, so um it would be very can't be, uh, happy about when, all this. when is when look when is a incredibly talented musician but this guy is as arrogant as they come and Win is win. Win would let the. I tell you what, Win is the kind of guy that he thinks he's he's the whole center of the universe. Mm. He can start another band tomorrow. That's how arrogant this guy. He's very arrogant. So yeah, so that's going on there. And in Madonna news, since it's Madonna show, so um, she had a TikTok post where she sort of like hinted that she was coming out as gay. Now I thought she came out as bisexual a long time ago. See, I thought I, that's what I thought. But I couldn't find that. So I, I, I think she had I, bisexual tendencies. I thought she did. Like it was around the erotica album. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. I thought she did, but I couldn't Britney, really find Britney Spears thing. Remember that? Yeah. 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 yeah that's I mean, I could, I could I couldn't really find a lot of interviews or anything where she talked about that. So I didn't really want to go with it. 
Um, other than, so she's made now. What what I found interesting is that this made news at all. So it still shows how Madonna kind of captures the world's attention. She's still quite relevant, even after all this time that this TikTok post could be picked up and written about. Yeah, but I also think it was. I also, first of all, I didn't even recognize her with the pink hair. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, yeah. Right? I, I, it didn't look anything like her. I don't know what was, there was something weird, right, about that. But, but she threw a pair of panties, right? And yes. basically, she, it says, if I miss them, gay. Well, here's the thing the whole thing was two days before, like, what they have something called National Coming Out Day. Yeah. So I, I kind of think it was more along the, I don't think, it, like I said, I don't think, I think it's been a bigger deal made about this. Because you go back to some of the things she said, you go back to the whole mm. Britney thing, right? This mm. really isn't a total surprise. And no. uh, but at this point, you know, if you're Madonna, you know, it, it, Madonna likes does like to make a statement. Um, mm. She likes attention. And I think she's getting mm. it with this. Well, I mean, I what I find interesting. So. So Madonna, right, she's got to be. So she's 60, 64. Mm-hmm. And she's putting out this TikTok. And still at 64, after being in the industry since what, 83? That still all the like pitchforks, all the like music blogs and stuff led with it. Still. Yeah. And I just think that's pretty incredible to have still, still be seen as important enough because you could put this thing out, but still to be important enough to lead on all these sites and stuff, I think is pretty. I mean, it shows that we're doing the show today that she's still quite sure, quite relevant. Even you know, even she hasn't really put out a ton, like a ton of music. But if if I, look, I'm not in that community, right? But if I was yeah. in that community, I'd be saying, Madonna, quit playing games. Either support us or not. I mean, that's what yeah. I'd be. That, that's what I'd be saying. I mean, that would be my reaction. I if you, you know, I, I know. I remember. I know someone who's a part of that community. A wonderful person, and. She felt like that about Rosie O'Donnell. Like she felt Rosie mm. O'Donnell was like playing this. Like ro- she was like Rosie, even support us or not. You know, it's like I remember when she was talking about that. So again, I'm not a part of that community. I don't want to speak for them, but if mm. I was, if if that was me, and I'd say just come out and support us, Madonna. You know, at this point, it's not, and by the way, you know, I think you know there's some wonderful people in that community. So I'm not, I'm not, just, I'm not making fun of it or anything. I'm just saying, I yeah. think you no. Know. And so yeah, so yeah. So she's still, I mean, yep. So still Madonna in the news. Yeah, yeah. Um, like I said, I didn't recognize her, Dave. I'm like, no. if you, well, you would have showed me that, I, if that didn't say Madonna. I mean, I don't know. She had the makeup all off, and the hair, the the hair was so it was pink. Yeah, but the eyes looked different. That was I, I couldn't figure. I mean, I wouldn't have recognized her. No. Yeah. But there she is, and you got. You added something. You added yeah, a bit of uh, yeah. South Australia news here. So, Dave, there is a band that's in South Australia. Have you heard of the Hindley Street Country Club? I have not. They are. OK, so they have been a cover band that's been around for about five years. And you know me with covers. I like when you try to recreate the cover as close to the original as possible. Right. And the Hindley Street Country Club is just that type of band and they have a large amount of musicians that are a part of it and they seem to just put the right people in at the right time um but what happened is during the pandemic they started doing all these sessions and they were covering it and they were putting these on youtube and they've just exploded 
Okay. Oh, okay, I mean, right. their hits. I mean, if you go to that page, and by the way, you'll be blown away by some of their covers. Uh, these covers are impressive. Um, so they have now they have kind of really built up this this you know they built up a following. They're actually touring uh the south part of Australia this like I think in November, but they have just been signed to a U.S. record contract. Um, which is a big deal. And apparently Mick Fleetwood had a lot to do with this. He heard them and he wanted, you know, yeah. And he contacted an agent or something. And, uh, he, because they have, they've covered some Fleetwood Mac stuff really good. Mm. Um, I have been, I have not, they have some really good vocalists, uh, is what I was saying. Mm -hmm. And they just, they capture the essence of the song the way it was, but you're hearing it with a different, slightly different voice. So definitely uh, check them out. I'm not, when we have the show notes, there'll be a, like they don't have a Spotify. They have some. There may be some stuff in Spotify. But they don't have any albums in Spotify yet. But yeah. I will have something in the uh, the show notes where you can kind of check out their stuff because I think it's pretty addictive to listen to their. They have hundreds and hundreds of YouTube videos out there. Oh really? It's, okay. It's, it's pretty addictive when you listen to the, some of this stuff. I have to check it out. Yep. Yep. Speaking of checking something out now, I don't. I've always I've wanted to check these out, but I just I can't get them shipped here. That's for sure. But that's the uh, you got some cigar news here. Uh yeah. Um, if you're in the U.S. right now, it's Advent calendar fever. It is. I saw okay. what was it? Uh, Tatuaje's one. I think I yeah. saw a picture. Pete, of. Pete released two. He released last two? year. Got delayed. Yeah. So the 2021 never got released. <laughs> so he's releasing that. And now he's got a 2022 that's already in the works. And there's different cigars behind each of these, right? Um, so you can get the 2021 or the 2022. Um, and the idea is with these things is during the month of December, you open up a little door and it reveals a cigar. Uh, what's really cool about the Pete, these Pete projects is there sizes of cigars he has never released? It's a four and a half by 46 uh, mm. Batola for like, so you get certain blends in that size. And I don't think any of these cigars have been released in that size before. And if you're like, if you're going to be up in Minnesota, Dave, you know, maybe that's a perfect size smoke if you have to go outside. That's right. <laughs> Catch a little bombiness. So it's a good winter smoke to have. So I think it was a smart move. Uh, CAO has got the 12 days of Christmas. Uh, so there's different CAO cigars in there. Oliva's got uh their advent calendar, um, which is really cool. It's got all different Oliva cigars in it, and Smokin just sold out of their 2022 advent calendar. So that's a really cool setup as well. So like I said it's advent calendar season right now. Um, so Abe sent me the 2021 Smokin one, and it was fun going through. Those. I was opening the door every day. You know, I didn't get to smoke one every day. But when I, the minimum, I just put it in my humidor that day. Mm. So, uh, oh yeah, yeah. So, so how do they, how do they humidify those Cooper? They just have like Boveda packs in there, or like how does that work? Most of them aren't. You, Abe's had it built in like humidifier pack in it, right? Yeah. Um, Pete's saying, "Hey, put the unit in a big Ziploc bag." <laughs> oh, then, here we go. Yeah, right. with a Boveda. Um, yeah. So they 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 don't really humidify well, and actually. Pete's given some solid advice because this time of the year, it's so dry. It's getting to be dry. I mean, I saw the humidity yeah. top of my house this week. So you definitely want to put that into the, the Ziploc bag. 
the, the smoke in one, which was great, had the built-in humidification. So that mm. that was a, a great thing to have. Mm. No, yeah. So it's interesting. I mean, I, I yeah. I mean, when when did this start, Coop? A couple five years ago? Like when did they start doing this sort of so the interesting thing is Pete was the first person I remember to talk about this concept. He was talking about this 10 years ago about doing it. And he put it out there and no one ever did it. Then Davidoff did one a few years ago very quietly. It didn't get a lot of attention. But when Pete announced he was going to finally go through with the advent calendar, that's what everyone started getting in on this stuff now. Yeah. So, but, it, but according to Pete, the Oliva and the smoke in ones were already in, in motion. But, you know, Pete took so long to get that out that people eventually beat him to the door with that. Because I think the, the, the first ones I remember are those, like you said, the Oliva and the smoke in ones. The first yeah. ones that I remember. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, uh, they're, like I said, the, the cool thing about the smoke in one, and they sold out of it, I found out, is it's different brands. Mm. So. No, nah, it's a cool idea. Yeah, it definitely. I like it. I like the concept. It's, it's like I said, it's fun to go through that and open that up every day. So, uh, but yeah, but yeah. So, like I said, I, I know the, there's plenty of Oliver and Tatawai ones out there right now. Mm. Oh, make it happen, people. Yep. And then also, if you're a Tatawai fan, the, the Drac ship this week as well. Yes. Yeah. The redo or whatever yep. it is. The redo. Yep. Yep. So they're, they're heading to the stores as well. Mm. Another uh, so Valley Palette's review of the week, they reviewed the La Creme Limited, which Seth like adored. Yes. And, and and everybody else was sort of lukewarm on. And now you've liked those in the past. You've oh, a a, of that's those. one of my favorite crown heads. Uh that that's been on the coop list. Uh Bear and I did an aging experiment with that where we smoked one right when we bought it. We smoked it again. We smoked one six months later, buying from that same batch. And then we smoked it a year later and we were raving how that thing started smoking with six months of age. It was one of the best crown mm. head cigars we ever had. Um, and that Bellicoso, I love that Bellicoso. I yeah. think that's one of the best Bellicosos to come out. I don't understand those guys. <laughs> <laughs> I got to be honest. Well, Seth, like, Seth Seth, was, uh, Seth's on board with you, man. Well, and here's the thing. Seth doesn't like Broadleaf. Mm. That's what's funny. Seth is not a Broadleaf guy by any means. But uh, he he embraced that cigar. Yeah, I'm like, well, Aaron Aaron didn't kill it. No, I want to say Aaron had. Like I said, I think the rest. On... I think everybody else is just sort of lukewarm on it. Yeah, but it was like, but I didn't smoke the 2022 one. To be fair to those guys, yeah, I smoked the, like the 18 and the 19 of that thing. But I was like I said, I was a little surprised that um, like I said, I was a little surprised that they didn't it, like Aaron was higher on it. Yeah, after. Picks him up because and and Seth sort of touched on what you were saying. He said that he thinks it's going to age well. It it ages, it, yeah, yeah, yeah. It it really uh, that's six months. You know, true story. When these first shipped for the first time to the retailers, um, I went and bought a couple, mm-hmm. and I was I went into the lounge to go smoke one of these, and I like this like this is the box press ones. And I light mm-hmm. this thing up, and it's awful. Oh! So I call Ben Lee, and Ben wasn't on the coop team at the time. I'm like, Ben, man, tell me if I'm crazy. This cigar's awful. I mean, this cigar, I, I don't think you should have it. And so Ben's like, let me light one up. 
He's like, you're right. He goes, these things shouldn't even, they shouldn't have been put on the shelf. But that, I think it was a case they shipped them way too soon, those cigars. Right. Because it turned out like when those cigars rested a little, it turned out to be an excellent cigar. Mm. Yeah. But Aaron gave this a 6.0. Yeah. I think he said he tried again. He said he was complaining about the price point or something. Uh, no, he wasn't going to even say. Scar maintained an average flavor profile the rest of the way. This is my first time smoking the limited edition of slime, but I don't see myself coming back. Usually with Aaron to come back to it, he's got to get just over that 6 0. Yeah. To do it. He won't come back to it otherwise. But no, Seth, uh, Seth loved Seth liked it. So it. I'll, I'll uh, John it was the low guy. The crown heads, you know, I kind of yeah. I don't mean to make fun of John, but he, he's got a little bit of fanboy of crown heads. Yeah. Oh yeah. Wow. I'm really I mean, surprised at that one. Yeah. Um so our smokes, our cigars. Yes. Now I couldn't really find something. This is the closest I get to a theme with Madonna. So I went with the uh SBC twenty, the uh the uh, limited by uh Postanya and uh Mike Shepikevich um from uh Hustler. I like this so uh, for a reason why you picked this, yeah. I had to I had to really hunt these down to be honest, but uh because it's true, true blue. Because it's a blue band. Oh, see, I was thinking the surrounded by champions angle. Oh, I'll, I'll, no, I'll get to that blue. when we get into it. I'll get more. I'll talk more about why I think the SBC thing fits good with this. Hey, but, but yeah, good, but, but it was a, get a blue band. The blue band's a good pick, actually. Yeah, it's the closest connection I can find <laughs> in my humidor. What do you got, Coop? Well, all right. So I got a cigar. Um, Called La, Mad- Ma- La Madrina, right? Oy. By Dapper Cigars, and I've had, yeah, this Dapper, is good. I've had this. Dapper is really catching on in the U.S. I think that they're, they're the mm. next thing. Um, and this is a beautiful Ecuadorian Habano, dark Ecuadorian Habano wrapper. Uh, Nick Mexican Mexican binder, and uh, Nicaraguan filler, right? But why did I pick this? Well, La Madrina is close to Madonna. Right. Hey, there you go. Except <laughs> then I realized La Madrina is a uh, means translates to godmother. And it's a woman who's associated with uh, the Day of the Dead celebrations. Ah, well, you know. Yeah. So I, I you know, and, and Madonna is actually anything but that. But I kind of just felt La Madrina and Madonna was close enough where I'm like, close enough. you know, it's close enough. I mean, let's uh I don't think there's a. I looked to see if there was a Madonna cigar out there. Uh, no, that'd be hard to find. No, so I was thinking of La Gianna Havana, Dave Garofalo. Oh, right. Maybe the other one, but I ended up going with Madrina because it was as close to Madonna as I can get. Close enough. So uh, uh, it's a good cigar. By the way, this is, I smoked this cigar. It's an excellent cigar. I think I've had that in a different size. Yeah, I mean, I tell you. This guy does not make a bad cigar, Ian Reese. Um, what a job he's right. done with this company. Um, he is really more on a West Coast. He's got his popularity, but mm. he's you know he's starting to make his way more popular in the East. I'll check it. I, I want to say that more. Garrett is now re- like Garrett's doing brokering. I want to say Garrett brokers these guys now. All right, I'll have to check it more of them out because yeah. I had I had them. I think the Pouts guys like them, and I tried it. Oh, the, the Aaron's the guy who said, "Hey, let's get Ian on a show." Early on, and, and Ian's one of our favorite guests to have on. We usually have him on every like couple of years. Mm. Well, we're talking Madonna, everybody. So 
we're just going to get our first, first sort of thoughts on Madonna. I really like Madonna. I, uh, so I looked up Coop now. We get to when you talk about number ones, it gets a bit, it gets a bit uh, hazy. So she has thirteen number one hits. Now she also has uh, records out celebrating having fifty number one hits. Now the the thing with the fifty is that it's number one hits across the world. Yeah, of the world and all the lists. So it's yeah. like number one dance track, number one. So I think every bit... song that charted, they called number one on that. 50. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So yeah. that's a bit. Eh, so so. If, but if you're looking at just straight up, you know, your classic think what you think of a number one hit. She has 13 of those, which, which is the most of a female artist. So she's got a lot, you know, um, I think. uh I I was I loved hearing her on the top forty. I think I really liked listening to her, and then Vogue came out. I really liked Vogue. That kind of like Vogue, Vogue really stole my I, wedding. It was a, it was a song cap- stole my wedding. I think I talked about that. Captivated me that song. Yeah, uh, yeah. The, the video, the song. I really love that song. We'll get more of that song yep. later. Um, and that kind of fell off her coop, and then I got back on with when Ray of Light came out, which was sort of a comeback record for her. Yep, I really like that record. Um. She so Dolly has constantly been talking about wanting to do a duet with Madonna, but it's never happened, which I found shocking. I would have thought it would happen. But in interviews, Dolly's always talking about wanting to do it, and it just never came together. Dolly's like, I, you know, I, I bet it's just a matter of them just getting it on the calendar. But I can see I both of them respecting each other on this. It never really came together. Yeah. Um. I wrote a I wrote a uh, paper in college on Madonna, um, about gender norms in the music industry. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and I, and I don't know about you, Coop, but so like at this time of music, I was big in the top forty, and so for me, Madonna and Cyndi Lauper sort of like I can't think of one without thinking of the other. You know what I mean? They they both came up in '84. Yeah, that was the reason, and. They both took very different paths, is what mm. happened. Um, and and I, I'll talk about that in a minute because Lauper's Lauper, who had I think had a did some very good music. She she basically didn't keep up. She didn't. Yeah. She you know Madonna, Madonna changed things up a lot. Yeah. Well, you look at Madonna. Just those first what like four or five records are so huge that. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It's the pace of that. Yeah. I mean, yeah. But how about Look, you, Coop? Just like initial Madonna thoughts or some early Madonna. Well, yeah, this is a good segue. So Madonna, I like to say, follows the Duran Duran script. Don't rinse and repeat from the album before. So she's changing up her albums each time. And I think that's what Cindy Lauper got into trouble. She stayed a little stagnant, right? When Madonna was was constantly thinking ahead with this, right? Um, she represented this female empowerment, right, of total control of music production, where after her initial album, Madonna basically was a co-producer on every album following mm. from Like a Virgin on. Um, now, the producer, she's always worked with producers, so mm. she's never tried to just produce herself. And this is where I thought the Surrounded by Champions theme was perfect because Ooh. her producer list is incredible. 
Okay. Um, I'm just going to rattle off some names here. Let's Joey Benitez on the Madonna. Niall Rogers. Niall Rogers on Like a Virgin. Mm. Stephen Bray, not a big known name, but he was part of Like a Virgin, Like a Pearl and True Blue. Patrick Leonard, who was one of our longtime producers, uh, we'll talk about him. He did several albums. Babyface. Yeah. Yep. 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 Mirzwaz Amadazi, who got her into an electronic sound. Stuart Price, who's the genius behind Confessions on a Dance Floor with her. Oh, that album. Yeah. Justin Timberlake and Pharrell Williams on Hard yes. Candy. And Kanye. I know that, yeah. yeah. So they were all part of, of, of Hard and actually Kanye also worked on Rebel Heart with her. So she's she surrounded herself with 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 the producers, and she's not a head. She was not afraid to butt heads like with Patrick Leonard. Mm. She butted heads with Patrick Leonard on 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 like a prayer, and he wasn't fired. He actually ended up coming back to do some more album. But she's not afraid to exercise her control on that. You know who that reminds me of, Coop? You saying that, which is an excellent point, which I. I knew a couple of those people, but I didn't know the full extent, so I'm glad that you listed yep. those out. Um, is it? It's like Taylor Swift and Beyonce. Well, they'll have a lot of people on the record, but they're still like involved, you know? Yeah, Madonna, like, and I'll talk about with the first album. She wasn't. She wasn't a producer, and I think she got into a situation where she didn't want that to happen again. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, that's like how young was she when she started? She would have been at least like in a, a teenager, surely. Like. 19, she, some of that? 18? Yeah, but I think by the time when she, the first album came out, she was about 25. I mean, that young in your career to figure that out is yep. pretty good. Because like like Taylor Swift, for example, like she got rid of all the ownership of that. And she's only yep. really like recouping that now. So yeah. to figure that out at, like after your first record, that's yeah. pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. So we're so I don't know how you organize yours, Coop. I, just went, chronolo- I went chronologically. I went chronologically as well. Yeah. I tried not to. It's hard not to pick like all the big songs. It, it's funny. So there's one I got to. I said, can I just pick the whole album? It was like, mm. <laughs> but so I ended I, up I, two instead. But yeah, I left the I left the the the, the tr- one track off of that for you because I know you love that. I right knew there. I but knew I, exactly which track you left for me. And, uh, <laughs> and so I, you're like, you better not take this. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, nah, uh, so- you did. It would be cool. So let's so I'll kick it off. I'll get into like so let's get into my first memory of Madonna. So this is the first song I remember hearing that had that I remember like, oh, this is really good and really enjoying. And that's Holiday. If we took the holiday. Yeah, that's the first song I can really that and like Lucky Star sort of. Yep. But uh, yeah, that's off of her off the Madonna record in 1983. It's it's yeah, it's my first sort of memory of Madonna. I must have had it either on radio or cassette or something. Um, but that's my first sort of memory of her. So that's why that's why I'm going off. That's my first track. That's my first sort of like introduction to Madonna. Was that was that was that uh, track? Did you notice on that album? That's her opening album. I'm going to talk more about it. That's amazing. It's an amazing album, that. first of all, but. Her voice, I don't know. I think they I think they messed with her voice during the mix. You think they cleaned it up or something? They it's, or high, it's, it it's a higher or... yeah, it's pitched up except on Lucky Star. Mm. Lucky Star is more the voice that I know of Madonna for the rest of her career. But I mean Holiday is just there's something where it's just I don't know what they, they I think they, they messed with it in the mixing. 
her vocal really drops into this like like yeah it's quite high on that record i mean even like a version which will get that's quite i think it once you get to vogue and around that like it her her voice really drops it gets like really full which i like yeah but yeah i agree like like her vocal in the first couple records is quite high compared to yeah and it, it, it's later. not anything like that uh, in fact my first track i'm gonna be talking about that too I just I'm I don't know what and I tried to do some research. I really couldn't come up with anything on it when mm. I was when I was researching this. Mm. So what, let's get to yours here, Cooper. All right. So my first pick, I'm going to the song. I'm going to the oh. very very beginning. Okay, and this is the last track off the Madonna album, but it was actually Great a track, track. It was actually a track that was released before the album came out. Ooh, called Everybody. Now. Madonna got her start in the New York City uh, club scene. She came mm. over the story. She came over from, from Detroit and um, she was in this. By the time she kind of was making her way through uh, the rounds in New York, we were in the post disco era. Right. So disco wasn't Saturday Night Fever. Disco was a little more of this like punkish kind mm. of rebellion. This, I mean, this was the Madonna look in 1983. That's Madonna. Yeah, like, it's easy. very, it's it's it, very sort of Debbie Harry, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, you got leg warmers, yeah. you got uh, the the bracelet. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah. Lace in the very hair. 80s punk. So there, this, yeah. and, and and I mentioned this because this was the dance terrier scene. You go to dance, and I and I was, I was old enough slash young enough to get into ah. dance terrier in nineteen eighty three, and and it's an important thing I say that because um. Dance Terrier was a, a very it, Dance Terrier was the big nightclub in New York. It was in the, it was in the uh, lower part of Manhattan uh, near the Village, and she would go into Dance Terrier. I had never seen her in Dance Terrier other than, but I knew she, I knew she would go there. And it was like in this old church building too, like so it's like the perfect mm. Madonna place. And there was a DJ by the name of Mark Kamen's there, and she convinced him to play the song Everybody. Okay, so she and this song became and it, I, I now I do remember this song was always played at Dance Ontario when I was at. So it was a big and this really before it's like 83. Um, mm -hmm. The other thing that Madonna was doing, and this is what was brilliant about her career. She would go. She would pound the pavement in New York in the morning. So what she would do is she'd mm -hmm. go to all the radio stations and she'd pop in on these morning shows like and convince them to play her records. Right now, that's how right. holidays started getting played. Right. Um, mm. But um, the idea actually came in actually with this song actually would end up going on the initial album. Um, and what I love about this song is it incorporates these R&B infused beats in the music. Um, and what they did is when the single was released. Right. They didn't put Madonna's mm. image on the cover artwork. Right. And they actually mm. were trying to create a little bit of an impression that Madonna was an African-American artist. Oh, really? Because they would. Yeah, they were trying not to Rachel stereotype or everything with it. And this if you look at the, the cover work for the single, and I don't have that one here. That's what she was doing. But this song, in my opinion, it was the song that started it all. Um, it wasn't necessarily the big radio hit, but this was the song in New. This was a big song in like early 1983 in New York. Uh, everyone's talking about this song. Everybody. Uh, and it eventually did make it onto the album. Mm, nice pick. That's a great song. Yeah. 
Nice background too. I didn't know all that. So yeah, it's a, it's a, interesting. And it sounds that sounds nothing like Madonna. Like it's it's no. I, when you looked at that picture, I put that picture for a reason because that's the that was Danceteria look, and everybody was the sound at Danceteria. It was just mm. it was the perfect thing. Mm. Yeah. And yes, I was old enough to get into Danceteria with, <laughs> with a little help, is what I'm just gonna say. Oh, a little help. Yeah, a little Ooh. help you had to get it. But back then it was 18. Yeah, so it would have been I'm yeah, like yeah. I'm like 17, you know. So hey, yeah, it works. Yeah, yeah. Um, my next one is I think one of the most important pop songs of the last 50 years for both women and anyone more generally, and that is "Like a Virgin," which is the title track of her 1984 record. Which, by the way, when you do this activity, you you learn of a couple things, which which I'll go on. Yeah later but one is madonna's got some amazing title tracks uh and this is one um so this is sort of i mean i I still remember the buzz around it when it came out um so she's overtly owning her sexuality in the song which would be a theme for her forever uh and is not the object of someone else so a lot of her music kind of moving forward, especially when it comes to like sex and things like that. I mean, the erotic album, like especially is like it's sort of Dolly Partnish in a way and that it centers her. It centers the woman as opposed to centering the man. So even though even in some songs sung by women, it's mainly about how great their guy is. But in in like a virgin and other songs by Madonna, it centers her. So it centers the woman as the object of the song or the, and the guy is just sort of there, which, which is usually it's the other way around. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's she, this is a theme for hers forever, like in her stage shows in everything. Um, and yeah. it sort of starts around here. Um, and people saw the song as very threatening. Uh, and I, it, it for me, it's one of the most important songs, like I said, the last 50 years, because just because of this sort of this ground that she breaks here with this song is going to get carried on by women artists like forever, like pop artists, especially. Uh, yeah. And so it's very exciting. This is sort of it, it, the Madonna record in 83 is more just a straight pop record or dance record. Right. Like it's pretty straight up like holiday like Lucky Star, whereas Like a Virgin, she's starting to like get into, I guess, more subject and like like have more of a of a depth behind, yeah, the song, more of a message, I guess. She was and, also uh, trying yeah. to get played on the radio. This was a big thing in New York, which is they yeah. she wanted to get played on radio stations in New York. The stuff on the first album, there's some stuff that they could play, but she wanted to make sure she could get her stuff played and oh if i could put a little controversy to sizzle this up i'm gonna do it right and that's exactly what she did did it um you know my dad got hold of the demo of this uh album i remember before it came out he fell in love like he had never heard of madonna and i was like yeah she was the freak from dance ontario and i was and he's like no this is he was into this song my dad i'm like he loved this he loved this album my dad my dad was in his 40s then so Go figure, right? But yeah. but she was starting to strike another audience at this point. Um, not to the point I think she wanted to just yet, but um, she, and no doubt when this when this single hit, it was played on every radio station. 
Oh, yeah. Yeah. Huge. I mean, and what it did for music moving forward is uh, massive. Yeah, so, it, it, massive it, song. it definitely did. Uh, and then there's going to be another song that I think also builds on top of that, which is coming up. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 You uh, your next one here, Coop. Yeah, uh, I'm still on the first album. Oh, yeah. Um, Borderline became Madonna's first top 10 single. Mm. And this was like a summer song, right? This was one of these songs you play it at the beach, right? Uh, you play it if you were um, outside uh, your apartment building at night. It was, it was that type of a song, right? Um, but I think this is an important song, again, with Madonna's evolution here. It wasn't written by her. It was written by somebody named uh, Reggie Lucas. Um, and Madonna basically had already started writing songs for that first album. And um, she had contacted this guy, Reggie uh, Lucas, about working on the debut album. Um, they had a meeting. He brought a couple of his own things and Borderline and Physical Attraction with the two songs he brought. Um, the story is they recorded... And by the way, Physical Attraction is a great song, too. It's, it's, a, it's a deep track. Um mm records borderline madonna's unhappy she felt that lucas was using too many instruments and her ideas weren't being considered uh they end up having a dispute and basically after finishing the album they go their separate ways um but actually what ended up happening is when they go separate ways is she brings in joey bean benitez to kind of remix borderline to her specifications right and this began the process of madonna from this point on now was always a part of the production of this. So I think this mm. song was very, very important, not just because it was the first top 10 hit, but this is where, this is really how Madonna said, you know what? I'm not bringing someone else in who's going to just not ca carry out what my vision is of this, uh, you know? And she's always looked, I've read a lot about her relationships with producers, right? And she mm. doesn't like the boss of producers around. Like she loves when like Stuart Price on Confessions, the input he gives, but she wants her piece to be heard at least. And, you know, she wasn't a producer at the time of that album, so she really didn't get much say. And she really had to convince Jelly Bean Benitez to come in and like do that for her, you know, finish that up. Mm. But even Jelly Bean was like, you know, hey, I got to do it my way too. So, yeah. But Borderline's a great song. The other thing I'll mention on this, I, I think I, I already put in the notes that the uh, octaves are a little higher yeah. on this. Um, it's got a little bit of an R and B type of Philly sound. If you listen to some of it, mm. um, like I, I I've heard it mentioned that the Philadelphia sound of Philadelphia style in the chorus. A little bit. I mean, uh, and then the song itself, it talks about one-sided love, a, a common theme. Yeah. Uh, there. I mean, it's a good song. It's a solid song, good top 10 hits. But, but I think a very important song in her career going forward, mm. which is why I mentioned it. Yeah. Oh, great pick. That yeah. was almost going to be my pick. Because, that. I mean, that's that whole album was just everywhere. So those, yeah, those it, it, yeah, are so I, well known. I would, put, I would put that debut album, despite everything, I'd probably put it in our top three or four albums. It, it's a mm. it's a solid debut album. It, oh yeah, definitely. It, it it didn't stand the test of time necessarily, and a lot of those songs are forgotten about. I think Holiday and Borderline are the two that I think people remember though. Yeah, but you know, like Physical Attraction, everybody. Yeah, they get lost in their good track. Yeah. Mm. My next one is off of True Blue, so which is a great record. Yeah. Uh huh. Uh, which is why I got the 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 uh, yep. SBC twenty, and that's Papa Don't Preach. Mm -hmm. First track. The other thing you find out about Madonna is she has killer first tracks, 
and we, I think we talked about we did our first track show. Like she is the queen of of track ones. Yeah, just a killer track one. So yeah. she comes in with the big guns on the on the track ones. Yeah, that's right. She doesn't hold back. Um, I love this song. It's a lot like Dolly Parton's "The Bridge." in sort of looking at like because you get you get a lot of songs about guys you know talking about you know one night stands or whatever. And that's sort of about it. This is sort of the other side of that, where she's like keeping her kid and like her family's not, you know, it's like, you know, the whole Papa don't preach, like telling her probably what a mistake she's done. And she's like, listen, I just need some support here, like off my back, essentially. Yeah. Like help, help me out. <laughs> um, and you don't really get that side of things in music. Uh, you, you get the love song side, but you don't get the other side. So this is interesting that she sort of took that on with the song that I think did quite well. Um, and I just love the song. It's, 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 uh, yeah, that just came out in 86. So you can see too, she's really, she's got a good, you talked about, um, how prolific she was. Like she's putting albums out in a good clip, like eight, we got 83, 84, now 86. So they're, they're coming out pretty regularly by this point. So yeah, this is my, my pick off that, off that record, which is a good record. I like True Blue. Yeah. Yeah, um, I definitely agree with you on that. Uh, I have a True Blue song coming up as well. Um, that was, yeah, that album was a, another monster hit for her, mm. uh, for sure. And, yeah, that, that song, uh, you know, again, she used the video in that song very effectively. Yeah. A um, little bit of a throwback, I think, to, or not throwback, but I also looked at it as kind of, she's still in that, this was kind of like an offshoot of those Dance Terria days. Not so much the music, but the theme, you know, the Papa yeah. Don't Preach, uh, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm pregnant kind of. I, I kind of related it back to that scene is all I just kept thinking. Because unfortunately, that was the scene down there. That, that yeah, happened. yeah, yeah. It, it, that, there was girls always getting into trouble uh, out of that place. So, it, it, you know, it didn't, so she didn't totally, like, change her roots just yet. But she's starting to go through a transformation in her career. Lyrically, she went through, this is a big, this is a big change. I mean, mm, this is mm, probably... Mm. Not it's not my favorite Madonna song, okay? But lyrically, it's probably mm. the best song she did up until this point. Yeah, uh, or and it's still like charted well too. It went number you know? one, I believe it went number yeah. one. Um, and in fact, "Live to Tell" is the other one, and that's another song that has really good lyrics. So she mm. was starting to evolve as a lyricist uh, by the True Blue album. Mm. You got a you got a, a deep cut. Well, not, yeah, I guess this would be a deep cut. Deep um, cut here. it was a top ten hit, so it's yeah. not totally deep. Well, it's hard to yeah. But I picked from like a virgin dress you up, right? Um, and and the thing about dress you up, I think dress you up is is more of an important song than a lot of people would put. Um, this was yes. the fourth single released off the album, so the previous three were like a virgin, material girl, material and girl, angel, and angel. Um. And I kind of picked this song because I think this is where we started to see Madonna go a little more mainstream now. The songs on Like a Virgin were things that could be played on a top 40 radio station. Um, but at the same time, when they played on a top 40 radio station, it, there was controversy that went with these, right? Yeah. So, you know, I originally picked this song because I thought this, her use of fashion, she was starting to change her fashion a bit, trying to getting away mm. from some of the punkish clothes. She hadn't totally abandoned that yet. Mm. You know, we saw the Marilyn Monroe look. Um yeah. On on Material Girl. 
So she was starting to kind of, her fashion sense was starting to get a little more mature. But I picked it because, uh, you know, but I picked that. But fashion was really more of a metaphor in this thing, right? And while Like a Virgin got the attention, this song was much more sexually charged than Like a Virgin. Mm-hmm. I don't think people were, because those fashion metaphors, if you listen to the lyrics of the song, this this was some edgy stuff. And it's getting played mm-hmm. a lot. So much so that the parents, so much so. That the Parents Music Resource Center put here this we go. 15 list uh, due to its sexual lyrics here, right? Jeez. Um, so yeah. yeah, there you go. You know, this song makes it so, and I don't think I think people always associate the controversy with like a virgin, but this mm. one I think was much more sexually charged, uh, to this point, right? Mm. Um, and uh, yeah, and again, I gotta say, now Rogers produced this track. He delivers a killer guitar mm. solo in this in this one that that is just uh, is just fantastic. So uh, and this is like one of I really do like this track. It's a fun track. He performs yeah. live well. Yeah, I, I like this track. But it, it's, like I said, it's, a, it's a top track. But but because it was getting all this airplay, it lands on the filthy fifteen. Mm. I don't know if it was number fifteen or sixteen. Or I don't know which one it was. But yeah, yeah. No, it's a, it's a great pick. I mean. And then, like you mentioned, Material Girl on that record as well. That's like almost like the perfectly constructed pop song. That that's just made for radio play. That song. Yeah, and when we saw her in Material in a, a video, I'm going to be talking about this with the next couple of songs because video and film were very important to what she was doing. Mm-hmm. That was the that was the one where we said we we no longer had the punkish girl on um on uh, Lucky Star dancing around. Mm-hmm. Now we had her in Diamonds and the Marilyn Monroe look. Yeah, and, you know the, so elegant we started to see that more yeah mm. yeah not good pick yeah filthy 15 man it made the filthy 15 that's a <laughs> listen to this it's a lot more it's a lot more sexually charged than like a oh like yeah a, just the problem is like a virgin had that one word in the song well that's the problem isn't right. it yeah 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 <laughs> i so i'm i'm now on like a prayer yes, in 89 um I picked Express Yourself off of this. Uh, that was the second si- a single single off the album. Yeah, it's a great song. I think it's the ultimate pop song. It is very pop friendly. I'm and it's just all of her themes are sort of in there. You got love, agency, sex, being yourself. It's just this totally expressive song. Um, and yeah, it's just like like I said, like the perfect pop song, I think, in its construction. Um, and I, th- I mean, it's not, it's probably, I mean, it's a well-known song. I think it's gotten bigger as time goes on, has gone on. I, I mean, I, it's not the first song you think of off of like a prayer. Uh, no, obviously. Uh, it's a <laughs> but, little, yeah. And we're going to get to like a prayer on my list, but, but yeah, I mean, it, that album had a whole thing about expression, right? And this yeah. song I thought was great about express yourself. is like, it, it was, a, it summed up the theme of this album really well. Well, that's like her whole her whole thing. I mean, really, mm-hmm. it's all about expressing that yeah. being from her like stage shows, which she was famous for to the videos Coop was talking about. So, uh, yeah. So I went with that off of uh, off of like like a prayer, which is a, which is a great record. It was. Um, I mean, as you can see, like if you look at her career, like it's just like she has this run of like just solid records, like right out of the gate. Yeah. You know, Um so, yeah, and then I was going to pick off of your next one. I was going to pick a track off that, but I ended up not. 
and I'm glad you picked it. Yeah. Um, the track is "Who's That Girl," and it was mm. from the soundtrack of that movie. So, Madonna was using music video, but she was also very much doing film. Yes. Puts out a movie called "Desperately Seeking Susan," right? Which basically. It, it's her at the dance of Terry, but she delivers a very, very good performance, right? Um, like, so she does like a lot of you know, she, it was first Prince with Purple Rain, now she does Desperately Seeking Susan, and, and her performance is very much uh received mm-hmm. well. And maybe like Madonna's gonna be a movie star, right? You know, then she does Shanghai Surprise with, with Sean Penn, her husband, and it's an absolute mm-hmm. train wreck, yeah, that didn't go well, right? Then she does this, this, um. This track, Who's That Girl, uh, for Who's That Girl. Unfortunately, this one, the movie didn't do well. So it was another bust for her with the movies, right? So she's now starting at the box office. She's not doing well. She was also in another movie called Vision Quest, but she just played a singer. In yes. Yeah. Uh, and I have at the end, I'll talk about Vision Quest. I'm going to hold that, right? So, but Who's That Girl was a song that uh, was very well received, right? Yeah, song's done really well, yeah. yeah. And this came out right around the time that True Blue came out, right? And this is Madonna was into a Spanish influence, right? So she had, you know, she had done La Isla Bonita on True Blue. Yep. And Great who's that girl incorporates a little bit of that Spanish theme in there, right? Um, and it almost became a moniker, like, who's that girl? Well, it's Madonna, right? It was, it really became kind of like, uh, who's that? It, Madonna was the material girl, and that was who's that girl. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it was it actually really well. Uh, this was produced by Patrick Leonard and Stephen Bray. So those are two of her key producers. I like this. Tr- I think this is one of her better soundtrack songs she's done. I want to say it went, if it didn't go number one, it made the top 10. Uh, right. But I, I do, I do like the whole arrangement. So I like the Spanish music thing in there. It's a good song. Um, so if there's any salvation from how bad who's that girl was, which was not as bad as Shanghai Surprise, I'll say that, <laughs> but it wasn't good either. No, I mean, the 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 song is like regarded far better than the uh, than the movie, I believe. She she got humbled a little with these with some of these bad movies. And this is going to later when like a prayer comes out. Is I think a reaction to all that. That she mm. just well, she kind of comes back with a vengeance with this. Mm. Yeah. Yep. I mean, she tries God, to Tracy later weird. on too, but I mean she musically comes back with a vengeance with this one. Ooh, we're gonna get we're gonna get yeah. there right yeah. now, Coop. Yeah. We've been we've been holding off on it because I'm going in chronological order. Coop mentioned it with Dick Tracy. Yeah. And that is Vogue. Is my next pick. It, the line dance at my wedding. Uh, is the most memorable thing when Vogue, when all the when all the women came out in their dresses and were doing the Vogue dance. Uh, to me, it's, it's the highlight of my wedding reception. I, I I can't get that image out of my life. <laughs> now I love the song. Um, now I think I think uh, like a virgin put Madonna on the map, you know. Mm-hmm. But I think Vogue is what shot her into like superstardom. And into look, her- look at the transformation she's made by this point. The Vogue, mm. the elite model. It's it's she's done this transformation a bit, which I think and, the and, transformation started with True Blue, by the way. Mm. Yeah, and not just that, Coop. Like you, your point, which is a great point, is her use of video. Yeah, like this song is the perfect marriage of song and video that just took the song into another stratosphere. Yeah, yeah it, I mean, it did. 
it, it went from a song to like a cultural like phrase like voguing and stuff like that it, it, uh Vogue used to be a magazine now you start yeah. now it was like who's that girl well vogue madonna i mean that's you know it was that kind of word association she took it to that level with this song i think too and i put this in my notes is that the video combined with like the the, the black and white and everybody oh, like ultra brilliant. chic and classy yeah and all the male dancers were just like ultra classy it it that that coupled with the more complex instrumentation in this song than like some of her others i think it's sort of she's like raising pop to this sort of like fine art kind of like the lighting and everything in that video is like a fine art the piece, spoken word know? and the spoken word was brilliantly yeah. done in this yeah god that video is so good yeah. that I love this song. When I saw this video and heard the song for the first time in 1990, I'm like, this song's amazing. And it just, I mean, it changed everything. Like, this song was a monster hit. Oh, what? Yeah. So this and- sort of like really, really, I think here now I'll, I'll get into a bit, you know, I think this was a massive song for her. I don't think she reaches these heights for another, for a long time, but I would say, I mean, I don't know, Coop, like the first part of her career, I would say this is like the high watermark, this song. It was this is sort of like the peak, I think. Yeah. In this first part of her career anyway. Yeah. By the way, it couldn't help. It was another not good movie. Even no, when Tino Warren was a Beatty. bad movie. It was a bad movie. So <laughs> there's so many stars in that movie, too. Coop. Warren Beatty and, and Al Pacino. Like Al Pacino, yeah. like um, Dustin Hoffman was in that movie. Yeah, it was not a good movie. No, Dick Van Dyke. I saw it in the theater, the, though. Kathy Bates is in it. Yeah, it's uh, I saw it. I I I went this out. Was, I think but, Vogue maybe. But this it. song was was money. It was money. A oh, great song. And it it began. It, it did a good transformation of Madonna moving into the night. Like I said, this like you thought Vogue, you thought Madonna. The, the image of my wedding, I can't get it out of my mind. It was it was I, the the women were having so much fun with it. They were they were singing along with it, and it, it's just. They were into it. They they relate. They related to that, right? They were relating to that. The guys relate to that because we like the Vogue models and all that, right? So oh, this song was relatable. Song. Everyone can really enjoy it. It's a, it was a feel good song as well. You know, there, there wasn't a lot of con- there, there, This was a good song where you didn't need the controversy from her either. You know, she's no. gonna stir up the controversy. So what do you got? What do you got next, Coop? Uh, so my song from True Blue. I'm kind of gonna catch up to you. Uh, is live to tell right okay so madonna had really only done one like she did a ballad called crazy for you from vision quest um she really wasn't known as a ballad a ballad singer um live to tell is a very different ballad it and especially from a female perspective Mm -hmm. it delivers this haunting ballad with a haunting score behind it that I don't think we've seen from any artist to this point where it's, it's haunting this song. It gives you a bit of a chill. It's, and they released this song a few months earlier because um, it turned out that this song was used in a movie. Her husband was doing called at close range and she was still married to Sean Penn. Um, mm. She worked with Patrick Leonard on this and he actually wrote the, the, the uh, the music for the instrumental piece, and that was going to go into another movie called Fire with Fire, 
But he presented the Leonard presents the track to Madonna, who then wrote the lyrics, right? And it was used in the film. Now, I guess the story was originally she she cut a demo of it, but the plan was Sean Penn was actually going to sing these vocals, right? Uh, I'm not judging Sean Penn singing one way or another. <laughs> I'll judge it. Come on. But but yeah, I, I think ultimately they uh, they ended up going with the demo track with Madonna. Uh, they just added a few more drums into it, right? Because there wasn't much of it, right? And uh, she was Madonna has talked about this song and True Blue. She was looking to start to make that image change at this point. Yeah, she, she wanted to be considered more mature. Mm. Um, she did not. She was really looking to break away from the stuff from 1983. And, and this one, I think, delivers it. It. You, I just I remember when this song was on the radio, it was like it almost was a chilling, and you you you'd almost want to turn it off because it was it was it was a haunting song, but it was so mm. good you couldn't turn it off. Um, and it, it's again Madonna could deliver a ballad. Um, and this way, like I said, this was odd. It was the first single. This was out before Papa Don't Preach by several months. Yeah, right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 Live to tell. Mm. I am going to skip way ahead. I'm going to go from 1990 to 1998. So for me, after Vogue, nothing really caught my attention. Like, I know Erotica was like, it got a lot of pub, you know? Yeah, it wasn't a a great album, though. I'll be honest. No. No, it wasn't. So and she had a, a Vita in there, so she's just sort of like around. She had kids. And she came, had a kid. Yeah, it was a different. Yeah. And then came Ray of Light Coop. Oh my God! So Ray of Light comes out, and you'll notice in Madonna's career, you have a career this long. Uh-huh. You have a couple comebacks, and you notice there'll be a couple comeback records within her career, and this is kind of the first big one. I remember she came out. Gone was like the blonde hair. It was like this long sort of auburn red hair. She yeah. was all zenned out. She was doing yoga. Like it was this whole thing. And so she comes out with Ray of Light, which is does really well. Um, I picked the title track, which I love, Ray of Light. Um, so Madonna, and this is like Madonna's back. This album does really well. She has this kind of a zen vibe. Um, kind of, you know, coming back kind of reestablishing herself as the queen of pop. Uh, I have another track off of this record, but uh, this record was like in 98, like was the, was the comeback record. I think off of Vogue, it's sort of like she's back. It, 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 and this is where she started at this point of her career. Now she was getting to a phase where she was embracing the post post disco, the electronics, mm-hmm. the, the electronic sound. She was starting to really get into it at this point of her career. From like '98 to like 2006, this mm-hmm. is that phase she started going through. But this song again, it became the song from Microsoft. Yeah, this was a like so. Mike, if people don't remember, they were promoting Microsoft Windows with this song. This is the girl from Dance the Terrier with the with the punk look and the bracelets, right? And now her song is like for one of the biggest companies in the world for an operating system at the time was the number one operating system. You couldn't go without hearing this commercial, what Microsoft commercial with this. It was a big deal, this song. It was a big comeback for her. I, I agree. It was a very big comeback for her. And now she grounded herself in this electronic music space. 
Yeah, which is a good point, which yeah. we'll, we will get to. It's all culminates in Coop's like favorite record. Yep. Oh, it does. It does. This, this, you, there's a couple of steps that had happened before that, that one comes yep. in there. So you're next. You pick the, the big track. Yeah. Yeah. I was glad you left this one for me. I'm going to start. I'm going to actually, I think, catch up to you on the next track, actually. So, uh, Like a Prayer, the title track. Um, and I believe that this was when she started working on Like a Prayer, she was looking to create her signature album. Yeah. Um, I think that each successive, I think that True Blue was her biggest hit album right now. Mm. And she got some big uh, charting and sold well and she toured well. But now I also think this is like what a little bit lived to tell. She wanted to start to be taken more seriously. Um, and she wanted to cater to an audience. Now she was getting older and she wanted to cater to that older audience right now. Um, she had also come off these acting flops and, and you know, the divorce from Sean Penn. So mm. this is 1989. And she writes this song called Like a Prayer. And it's controversial because yeah, there's a video that's controversial. That's the video, yeah. But the, um, the, but the song yeah. is controversial too. Because she crosses she puts the line of sexuality and religion like this. <laughs> yeah. Right in the song, right? She does. I mean, and it she and, and that video just started up more because why it brought it up into a visual look there, right? Yes. Um, I can't tell how brilliant this song is, though. And look, you know, my wife hates this song, right? She's, you know, Catholic theology major. And, all. Um, and, I, and I understand her point of view, but it is a musical masterpiece, this song. She wanted a gospel choir, Madame, right? And she wanted this to be an authentic gospel choir. So she brought in Andre Crouch. Uh, and him and his choir were brought in for singing and adding the background vocals. Now, Crouch actually went and reviewed the lyrics, and he felt they weren't, like, I think he knew what she was doing, but she felt, all right, he's not really doing anything that's knocking my religion here or, or the message we're trying to do here. So he mm. came in and, and did that, um, and, you know, he made that conclusion, and he brought those those lyrics in there, or those, those gospel, with that gospel thing at the end, that last minute and a half of the mm -hmm. song, which is unbelievable. Uh, Patrick Leonard was the producer. Apparently, Madonna was such a perfectionist with this that they fought like cats and dogs with this one. Um, so she didn't fire him, but there was a lot of heat in, in the studio at that point with these two. Uh, but this song, I, this song becomes one of her biggest hits. And yeah. I thought it was really unusual that, like, you know, only about five years earlier, she has like a virgin. And then mm. out with a song called Like a Prayer, you know, you, yeah, don't, yep. you don't see artists do something. And the songs do really that, aren't yeah. anything related uh, other than if the theme of sexuality wants in there. Uh, but we also talked, Dave, you mentioned Express Yourself. Madonna was also at this point of her career. She wanted to express what she felt I'm going to express. And she wanted to put sexuality and religion into the crosshairs. And that's what she did. And... Uh, but you can't argue the, the music of that, that like a prayer. It's just amazing. It's just so much. Oh, yeah. It's some great. It's just well, it was well done. Well engineered. Well arranged. Yeah. It's just, yeah. Spot on. No, nah, excellent pick. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't think too. We touched on the video thing for people that weren't around then. Like, I cannot stress how controversial this video was. Yeah. Because like. It had the whole thing. It had like burning crosses. Yeah. Um, in it, which is uh, not good. 
and and she had, I think she was kissing like, uh, some some black saints in it as well. Something and, that like yeah, but they weren't yeah. And it was, it was like burning crosses. It was this whole thing, and the video was. I just looked it up real quick, just to make sure I'm remembering it correctly. The Vatican condemned the video. Oh yeah, the Vatican. And, Pope John Paul was not happy with this thing. No, I. But I don't think it's hard to sort of put for people that weren't around. It's hard to accurately describe like how controversial this video was. Yeah, and I'm because it was great. huge news, Coop. This it video, was, and you gotta say videos back then were a big deal in the 80s. Yeah, like everyone was doing. It was expected to do a video, and if your video was seen by everyone at one point or another. MTV was playing videos, right? Um, Tomato, that video with Madonna dancing with the gospel choir. To me, that's yep. the image I have in that video, and she's hugging those kids, and and the the, the gospel choir is happy. To me, that scene of her dancing with with the gospel choir, her getting put into the coffin freaked me out a little bit. But uh, <laughs> coming out of the coffin, I, I I think, but I think you listen to the song, which is a great song. And if you weren't around then for the video, you hear the song, you're like, oh, what's so controversial about that? Yeah. But uh, it was the the video is what what yeah. did it. Oh, and by the way, she's wearing her nightie in this song in the church. Well, so, you know, yeah, that's the other. She's wearing a nightie, and she has a. Why wouldn't but, you? Yeah, and now she has the dark hair in this one too. So yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. But but to me, I love that part where she is dancing with the choir, and it was about expressing herself uh, in this. So, but yeah, this was a. This was probably, the most controversial part of her career. I oh, think it was by this far. One. Yeah. I mean, I think anyway. Yeah. Uh but. But yeah, so no, great, uh, great track. Love that yeah, track. Yeah, I do too. I, so I had Ray Light. We did that. I'm going to go back to that record. And this is kind of a deeper cut. This is Ashanti Ashanti. And oh. it's off Ray of Light. It's a Hindu prayer, a Hindu Sanskrit prayer. Now, the reason I picked it is because of what it's going to set up. So Cooper already touched on it. She's doing a lot of like experimentation with like, you know, sort of your like club sort of synth electro stuff on this right. record. And this is a this is like no more evident than like this song, right? It's sort of like a trance dance track. It's got all this like industrial techno with yep. some tabla drum. Uh-huh. It is very dance club. Uh, focused and it's Madonna moving not just from the queen of pop but like how she started like what you were saying Coop going back to being the queen of the dance floor as well which yeah. is going to set up perfectly for the next album yeah or the album's coming up yeah but it, it, it sort of shows like Coop was saying before she's a lot like David Bowie in a way that she's sort of like always a bit ahead of the curve yeah, like she's always on the front end and evolving. And this song, I think, is a good example of that, which is going to really pay off later. But uh, that's why I picked it It's a deeper cut. But it kind of shows the, the style that, that she's moving into. Madonna liked to touch on religion. All right. Mm -hmm. She obviously touches on it with like a prayer. She touches on it with this. And she's going to touch on it when we get to confessions with Isaac. So, mm -hmm. I mean, um, she touched on this a lot. She wasn't afraid to touch on it. 
uh, which I found very interesting. Uh, you know, if you want to say Papa Don't Preach kind of has, you know, I can understand. It's not really. Religious, yeah. But it hits on a morality type of thing, too. But she always it's like her themes, her core themes are like religion. Sex and like women's agency, yep. like those are like you can just like rotate those around. Yeah. They're sort of all over. They're sort of like everywhere. Yeah. Ooh, let's get to your next. So one here, I jumped too. ahead. I jumped ahead to two thousand because Dave had you covered did. this, right? You, you've you've passed me, right? Right, and uh, he took Dick Tracy from me too. But I'm not gonna get mad at him on that. Oh god, but I really couldn't justify putting anything from erotica on there to be honest with you. So I was like, so mm. I go to uh, Ray of Light was another one, but two thousand music comes out, and Dave, yep. you, you nailed this perfectly. She was starting to get back to some. She was kind of remembering her roots. Okay. Uh, dance area of the club scene, but now we're heading into the 21st century, yeah. And she's kind of getting with the times, right? So, mm. what's with the times? Electronic music is on the rise right now, so we're seeing a big rise in, in, in uh, electronic music. And music, um, was a song that very much used the electronic music sound. Uh, Mirwaj Amadzazi was the French mm. DJ, she brought in to be the producer, and so Mirwaj is a these DJs again by this point DJs were becoming very more much more important where they were mm. really playing a role in terms of shaping the direction of production and you know so so he was one of these electronic music DJs out of France and he were he produced this album for her now this became famous for another reason um this was leaked to Napster all oh, right right so it actually started showing up on Napster which was back then that was the sharing service where you know, you can put your music out there, you know, rip your music from a CD and anyone could go access it and grab it. Right. So it's yeah. kind of like and, and eventually that's what led to subscription services because the artists went nuts. Right. The record company was going yeah. nuts that this was happening. Right. And it's it's unclear if it was deliberately leaked to Napster or not. Right. So, uh, All right. you know, I can tell you again when my dad was out of the music business by this point, so I didn't leak this to Napster. But when those demo singles would come out. You can mm. rip a demo single and, and it would be out there. So, I mean, it wasn't hard to get something leaked out there. Uh, so, no. yeah. But she wrote this while she was uh, pregnant with her son. And the, the I thought the inspiration was really cool with this, right? Because the song's called Music, right? So, apparently, she was at a Sting concert, right? Uh, he was playing, Sting would play the Beacon Theater a lot in New York, right? And mm. I guess the audience was kind of on their feet, not on their, they were kind of laid back for a little while they weren't really engaged and um and i guess then sting started playing some of the, the police hits right yeah. and the lights were dimmed and she saw everyone come closer to the stage and she saw just how sting was like really capturing the his audience with this music and she said that was kind of the inspiration for music uh mm. how music makes the world go round etc kind of that theme and that was incorporated back into the song um so it was kind of based on a, a true life experience that she had with this. Um, I think this song gets a little underrated. Uh, like I said, I think it was a very important part of her evolution as well. As she started to kind of, like I said, she's making a journey that's going to culminate. She's getting back to her roots a little. Um, but at the same time, she's not, you know, she's doing more. Again, her, I think her music's more mature. Her lyrics are more mature by this point as well. Good pick. Yeah. No, I like I like yeah. that. 
Now, I'm just going to take one track off of this record, and then I'm not going to say a whole lot. I'm going to clear the runway for Coop here. Yeah. Which, the next, so, in my opinion, her next comeback record is Confessions on a Dance Floor in 2005. Which, A, is, like, the best name for an album ever. Yep. And, B, is, like, a huge comeback for Madonna. Uh, now I picked not the biggest track off the record, but a big track, and then that's the track "Sorry." Um, great track, great track. Yeah. Uh, and I and I just put down. I was like, "This is my David Bowie," and and th- this record, it's Madonna has this knack of like, kind of putting out a huge record and then putting out some stuff that's kind of middle of the road for like six years, and then coming back with just this like banger record. Yeah, that just changes culture. So she kind of has this like she's constantly like reinventing herself on these records. And this is a huge, re- huge record. Um, and, and by now, just to put it in perspective, by the time she puts this out, she's been putting out music since like like your single. You pick Coop since 82. She's like almost tw- 25 years at this point. Yeah, and so and she's and she's just turning them over, and it's, it's a huge record. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna back out of the way for Coop here because I know how much he loves this record. So yeah, uh, so, so pre- I'll let you I'll let you go. All right, and actually, just to Dave, this was the second single released off Confessions, right? So yeah, it is conf- a it is an amazing track. Uh, it was the oh, third yeah. track. It was the third track on the on the in the pecking order of the songs. Um, I wish you guys could. In my opinion, I'd probably could have picked the whole Confessions on a Dance Floor <laughs> album. Right. And and the reason is, it's a continuous flow. So the, the album is continuous. This is one, you don't want to play this on, um, you really don't want to play this on uh, Spotify. You want to have the, yeah. the copy. Because it's kind of set up like a, a club, like a, a DJ. It's it. There's no breaks with the songs. Um, mm. She was at this point, we talked about getting back to her roots. She wanted to go back, back to the pre-Danceteria days. Okay. She right. was looking at which she hadn't tackled. She what he came in in the post-disco era, but there was a little bit of a 70s revival going around in, in the um in the mid 2000s uh, I remember I went to Vegas, right? And they opened a uh, MGM Casino opens up Studio 54 nightclub where they're playing all this 70s disco music, right? In in the nightclub there, right? And I thought it was amazing. Mm. And it was packed, this place, right? Just like the old Studio 54. So there was this revival going on. So she's like, I want to, you know, capture this, right? And Confessions on the Dance Floor was that album. She, she teams with someone by the name of Stuart Price. So, but she wasn't going to, like, she recreates a disco sound. But in my opinion, it still has the Madonna stamp on this thing. Right? Mm. In my opinion, uh, the song I'm picking is Hung Up. It's the greatest pop sample oh, ever yeah. done. Yep, yep, um, yep. It's the greatest post-disco album ever done. And it's a top five album overall for me. I mean, I remember she launched this album on Sirius XM. Actually, it was just XM back then, I believe. And... And I'm listening to this in the car. They're doing a live, like, first listen to this thing. And I'm like, I, I'm like, holy shit, I'm getting transferred back to, like, my, my days in Brooklyn in 1977. It was that good. But let's talk about Hung Up, right? Because I, the key thing is, and I think we've talked a little about this story. 
Uh, she had a she did, gimme, 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 a man after midnight's a ABBA song. Um, and it kind of is, it kind of, remember, we, I talked about how some of the disco songs have this futuristic vibe, mm. like a space 1999 or whatever. Thought, gimme, 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 always had that, right? Um, but she basically wanted to work with this, with this sample. Um, and she says, I got to get permission. I, I got to use this. I got to get permission. Right. Um, so she goes into Benny Anderson and Bjorn Ulivas, right. Who are in Sweden. Mm. Right. And they're, you know, and they're making a lot of money on royalties. Right. And they're writing songs and producing that. So they're, you know, they're not hurting. Right. And she <laughs> basically asks for the permission and they grant it. I'm sure they got paid very well for it, right? <laughs> so I tell people, and it's supposedly only the second time they ever did that. Not, so she they... like, so she like played them the song, didn't? Because she already recorded yeah. it. I think she sent it to them. She sent them, or well, she sent them some, but then she played the final song for them. I think it was. Yeah, yeah, she played the song with them, and and they knew the instant that, like, wow, like look at this song we we came up with. This uh, look, I'm biased. I think this is the greatest sample ever used. I mean, I oh, yeah, I, I would agree with that. I mean, if not, it's it's top five that you have to put. Um, and it was just, um, this is a masterpiece. It incorporates elements song. of the ABBA, it incorporates elements of Giorgio Moroto, who I, I got you to listen to a bit. Yes, uh, um, it incorporates a little bit of the Saturday Night Fever vibe into it. Um, and Madonna basically imaged this to be a cross of the music played at Dance Ateria, uh, with basically some of this album music, right? She basically brought these worlds together and he supports this with an unbelievable tour, uh, some unbelievable dancers she brings in. The, the Confessions tour is an amazing mm. tour. Uh, the pink leotard is absolutely, she's like, in, she's almost 50 and she's wearing the pink leotard. Um, and uh, Hung Up is just, uh, I, I think it's, I think it's the best Madonna song ever done. I think this is the best Madonna album ever done. Um, mm. And I and I like the fact she didn't go back to the well after this with this. She got she came up with her her her, her disco album, and she moved on after this, um, which I think was because I don't think she would. I don't think this was going to be topped. Kind of like Purple no. Rain. I don't think this was going to be topped. Um, but I'll put this album, and I love every song. Like it flows into Sorry is the third song, but it flows in mm. every song. And it's just like you, you. I believe they did play this whole album at nightclubs. It was that was a big. Oh, you could, yeah. I mean, yeah. "Hung Up" is such a good song. It's yeah. hard to even put into words how good it is, but it, it is. Um, I mean, I believe it was used in some commercial campaigns too. Uh, so good. Yeah, it was. Uh, by the way, Mirs was uh, who was on the was also part of this album too. He had he I think produced one track off this album, the Future Lovers track. Uh, but I'm, I'll get to another track in a minute off this album because I could have picked, uh, picked the whole album. I love New York. I mean, I could. I I almost did. I almost did. But uh, but I said, well, let's save this for an album archaeology down the road. Is what I said. <laughs> there you go. Uh, but no, great. Uh, that sort of gets gets uh, Madonna like brings her back into the limelight a bit. Um, and around that time. They were starting to put out a lot of greatest hits records of hers, mm -hmm. sort of around then, because um, you know she was hot again. So the record companies like, "Ooh, let's put out some greatest hits and make some more money." And on one of those was a single in 2009 that came out with uh, David Guetta, the you know another another DJ collab. Yeah. Yep. And uh, Lil Wayne, and Lil that's Wayne. Revolver. 
Yes. You know, and this is a part of Madonna's career where she's starting to get into collaborations, by the way. Yes. Doing a lot of collaborations around now. You know, she did a collaboration collaboration with Prince on Like a Prayer. Mm. It's just no one. No one talks about it. But one of the songs Prince is on that song. It's just it Mm. wasn't a bad song. It just never got any attention. But yeah. But by this point, she's doing a lot more collaborations at this point of her career. Yeah, a lot of collaborations, a lot, a lot of remixes as well. Um, but yeah, uh, Revolver came out, which is just a great track. Yes, it, it really is. And uh, it's more of that electronic, like like a, like we're saying, she's collaborating with DJs like she has in the past. And uh, this was an, on a, it was a single that was accompanying a greatest hits record. Uh, so um, it, it wasn't on an album in and of itself, but. Uh, great track. So Revolver, and that's 2009. Yeah. Uh, when that that was right out. after so Hard still... Candy. That was right after Hard Candy. Yep. 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 Which you're going to, you got a song from that record, don't you? Yeah, but you, I want to talk about, because again, collaborations are the theme of that one. Yes. As well. Um, but you got yeah. another song before that, so I'll let you. Yeah, we got to go back to Confessions. Uh, <laughs> Isaac, of course you do. Isaac's the other song. I, I almost put Jump, which is probably the other one, I would, but I, I want to keep it to two. Uh, if there's a close thing, the anything that's ballad like, um, it's it's this song. It's got a uh, a Hebrew theme to it. Um, basically, and the rabbis went right after her, right? Said yeah. this is blasphemy, right? And they said that the song was really about one of their uh, 16th century scholars called Yitzhak Luria. Now, Yitzhak mm-hmm. is the Hebrew word for Isaac. Uh, in reality, the song was named after the featured vocalist who sings for her, Yitzhak <laughs> Sinwani, right? And he sings parts of a Yemenite Hebrew poem called Ninahulu throughout the song, uh, which I guess references the whole biblical story of Abraham and Isaac. Uh, Madonna's like, you rabbis are attacking me. You don't even know. You didn't even listen to the song. You're attacking me thinking it's about this guy, Yitzhak Luria, and it's not, right? She was really, and I, I'll back Madonna on this one, right? I think she was really trying to highlight this this uh, this Hebrew artist, right? I think it was a unique way to do it in a um, in this disco album. And I'll even go a step further to say this. You know, I always said that New York City was the the epicenter of the disco movement. You do have a large mm. disco population. You have a large Jewish population in New York. I totally see this song fitting in with it. Um, and she takes this Hebrew vibe and she puts a disco into a disco album. It's brilliant. Mm. It's brilliant. And like I said, the rabbi, rabbis were wrong in this case. I'm going to say the rabbi and maybe someone, I'm sure someone will argue with me on that. Maybe who's more educated than us, but but I don't think that was the intent of anything more. I don't think she was trying to cross the lines here with this one. I, I think she was just trying to incorporate this type of genre into the theme of this album was all she was doing here. So I don't mm. think she was trying to stir it up on here, but I could be wrong. Someone could correct me on that. I'm sure someone will. Uh, but, it's, <laughs> but, it's a, but it's a great it's a great song. It gets underrated. It's one of the later tracks on the album, but it's a great, great track. Mm, nice. Nice confessions. Uh yep. go over there. I so for my last song, I went off something an album I just started listening to and doing the show really, trying to listen to some of her later stuff. And the album is MDNA, which came out in 2012, which we're just talking about hung up and confessions, and this is a far cry from the disco on that record. Cause you're getting into some really edgy 
drug fueled clubbing in this one. Uh, so my note is get your neon a shit ton of pills and head to the dance floor is my uh, my uh, note. I mean, the, the album is called MDNA, right? The track is addicted or I'm addicted. The the album is called MDNA. The the ecstasy is MDMA. So it's not that far off. Um, and it just I mean, it just shows her evolution still like, it's you know, 2012, she's still still trying to stay current with like the club scene uh, and putting out this, which is a far more edgy uh, techno vibe to this track. Um, but yeah, still evolving, even in 2012, still trying to stay current with what's going on. And that's yeah, I'm addicted off MDNA. Yeah, that is a good one. That was a good pick and kind of one I think it's forgotten about. Yeah, I mean, I think pretty much every album post Confessions really doesn't like you don't really uh, you don't really think of a whole lot because Confessions was so good. Yeah. <laughs> Agree. So. Oh, that, yeah. Go ahead, Coop. No, go ahead. What did you say? Oh, I was going to say you're 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 one here to close us out here. Yeah. So I'm going to Confessions follow up, which is hard candy. Which had a mixed reaction, right? Um, so Madonna, I said, doesn't go back to the disco thing, right? But mm. she goes the opposite here. She again tries to go back to more current times, and she with Hard Candy, um, she actually starts collaborating with a bunch of different artists. Um, now let me just kind of paint the image of this for a second. If you haven't seen the Hard Candy album, Madonna, I think, turned fifty that year. And she is on the album sitting down with her crotch kind of spread out uh, mm. in a in a like a bustier. Right. With the super thigh high boots. Yeah. Like leather boots. Like and the leather, the leather wristbands. So looking kind of like <laughs> she's going for a vibe. That's for sure. Going for a vibe. OK. But the album is 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 got its points uh, that it's, I didn't love everything on the album. But there, this track that I'm talking about here, uh, the beat goes on, um, beat goes on, I should say, uh, is it's a it's as a collaboration with Kanye West, right? But it also features Pharrell Williams. Mm. Pharrell Williams, who we really didn't know at the time, Pharrell Williams was working uh, as a part of a group called the Neptunes, and, and Pharrell was actually producing it, right? Now, what do you get on this song? You get the Madonna, the classic Madonna vocals. You get Kanye West as a rapper who does a very good job, and you get Ferrell's R and B, and it's all rolled up into this one, uh, you know, dance pop, hip hop, and R and B, electro pop, disco, electric, and funk all together on this thing, right? Mm. And I believe that Ferrell Williams really became a revelation on this, where he would go on to bigger things over the next few years as a solo artist, and of course yeah. working with Daft Punk. Um, so I think this is a great bridge. Uh, why I picked this the last time, I think it's a great song to kind of close out past and contemporary. And a little no, a couple of little-known facts. This was the last album she did with Warner Brothers, so it ended like a 25-year relationship she had with them. She's been with mm. Warner Brothers. And, you know, her and Prince, basically, in the record wars, put Warner Brothers over the top like th that's how they responded back to Michael Jackson at uh, Columbia CBS records. Mm -hmm. um, and the Pet Shop Boys were asked to do this album with Madonna and uh, they declined. 
which I think they made a Ooh. mistake. I think they made a big mistake. That this would have been a yeah, bad job by the Pet Shop Boys on this one. Um, I think because again, I think they had should have brought in, they should have been brought in ten years ago though, for ten years earlier mm. for some sort of Ray Light music era. But but uh, Hard Candy, um, I I think it was Madonna's. It was a good attempt to stay relevant, is what I'll say. Uh, and yeah. also Justin Timberlake's a part of that album too. We yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah, Justin, you can't forget JT on this one. So, um, so Dave, I want to just mention an 11 song, okay? She, so there is a Madonna song, I call it the lost track, okay? Yes, because okay. you can't find it on any streaming service for whatever reason. I happen Ooh. to have it because I have the I have the soundtrack. So it's a it's there are two songs she did for the movie Vision Crest. One was called Crazy for You, which you can find on some of the greatest hits album. But the other song which I wanted to include on this list was Gambler. I was with, like Gambler was going to be one of my ten songs, but it wasn't on the it wasn't on any streaming service, right? Like where is Gambler? Right? And the me right. when when I first heard Gambler on the radio airwaves. I'm like this. She had, it had a more of a rock edge. Um, it had a little bit of a uh, that Michael Sambello maniac theme. It. it was just, it was a good song. And I'm like, damn, I can't find the song anymore. So unless you have the Vision Quest soundtrack, I think that's the only way. Or you watch a video clip of YouTube. That's the only way you're gonna get Gambler. But I love yeah. that. That's one of my favorite Madonna tracks. I could not put on this list, unfortunately. Yeah, eighty-five. Eighty. Yeah, well, Gambler came out. And I think Gamble was the B side to Crazy for You, actually. So Crazy right. for You was the one that charted, but but Gambler I thought was the better track. And That's she a sings great track. Both, she sings both those songs in Vision Quest. So damn it, Don, you got to get Gambler. Uh, you got it. She's played that song live. It's not like she hasn't, but it's just no. You can't find that song anymore. No, that song is lost. I'm like, and that's a great, great song. Interesting. Yeah, and I didn't mention Into the Groove because we mentioned that on uh, yeah. a couple of shows already. I think there were two shows I've mentioned this on already. So oh, there's so many tracks. Yeah, you know? so there was so many we left off. Yeah. Um. So final thoughts. So first, how's the, how the cigar go? How you oh, doing? Oh, this is fantastic. It's got these nice sweet chocolate notes. A little bit of just enough spice. Medium bodied. Um, combustion is perfect. Uh. Love Madrina is a great line. Nice what line, what you know. size is that again? It's a five what by fifty-two robusto. Okay. Yep. Uh, does I? It's got a little more of a shorter finish, in my opinion, which I like. Okay. Right. Uh, um, some people want the longer finish, but I think there's enough. It's not short enough where it's going to turn you off. But I like a short yeah. finish here. So, uh, really enjoying. Uh, you know, I just love Dapper. Is something we have to get more mm. into your hands because I think you. Yeah. It's a brand you'll fall in love with. I've gotten some. I think Neptune carries it. I've had that line. I think I gotta get more though. I haven't had it in a while. Yeah, but it's quite. It's quite good. Yeah, it's very good. Yeah, Neptune. Um, I think carries the dapper stuff. Yeah, I think they do. I gotta. I gotta get more. Uh, my SBC twenty, excellent. Now this is. I've had the sixteen and the eighteen. This is a really thin barber pole, like like those. It's so good, Coop. I mean. It's got enough of a spice kick for you in the beginning, but then it's just so rich and creamy. It's got a bit of a punch. It's a meaty cigar. Yeah. But it is so good. I, I love the 18. I, I You gave me the, you just sent me the 20, so I haven't smoked it yet. Yeah. Uh, catching up with the oral surgery, but yeah. It's a good, it's a, it's good. I mean, if, I mean, if you like the other ones, you're going to like it. I mean, 
it's sort of he's trying to capture the same sort of thing in the um Wojek in the war bear. Uh huh. But in this size, this sort of like Corona size, it is so good. Yeah. No, it's a good. It's a good. SPC is a very good LE. Yeah, and it's yeah. construction's excellent. I should say I have smoked one. that. I smoked an unbanded version of that you when did. I was down there. Yeah, so it's a very good cigar. At yeah. Media Compound, did you have it? Oh uh, no! When I went down to Hustler, they gave it to me. Oh, that was Bangarang you had at Media Compound, I think. Yeah, we had Bangarang at the Media Compound. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I mean that that just the Bangarang and the Shepherd too. Like I would say, Postania and Mike, like the 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 LEs he's putting out are amazing. Like he hasn't had like if you look at the Bangarang, the Shepherd, and then the SBCs, like they're all winners, really. Except Aaron Loomis didn't like the box press and. It's McTavish, and they let him know it. Hey, hey! And then they called him out. And then they did a whole show on it. <laughs> I'm I'm saying Ellie's man. Yeah, like yeah. The, yeah. I, and they're they're. I mean, they're just wrong. You can be wrong. Yeah, they're just yeah. wrong. That's right. It's good. That's right. But uh, but yeah, but Mike can really source some good Ellie's man. Yeah, I mean, I think they've been, they've been patient. They don't rush them. Uh, mm. you know, they wait till they get to the tobaccos and everything. I mean, the one thing I do have to say, though, is they're hard to find. So if you see them, buy them is my recommendation. Yeah, because they go quickly. And he, and Mike has the sort of thing. Now, he has the shepherd on his site on Hustler, but he has sort of an ethos where he if he has it in brick and mortar, he he. Uh, he honors the brick and mortars and doesn't try to undercut them by putting them on his site. If that makes sense, so he yeah, wants him to sell it to brick and mortar. So he first. sends it to the brick and mortars first, yes. And uh, sometimes he'll give up his allocation, I believe. Yeah. So sometimes they'll sell out before he can put them on Hustler. So yeah, I would I would recommend if you see him, get him the, like the bang ring in the in the twenty. I would you got to get him. You got to yeah. buy him like ASAP. I don't care what you do to get the money. Yeah, you got to get him. I agree. Um, but I think but the shepherd is on his site. And I've I've had that. That's that's the Ezekiel me. one. I have one other one for you with that. Yeah. So on your mic. So no yeah. great cigar. Um, yeah. Enough about Mike. Uh, yeah. Madonna. So, I mean, I don't know what you could say. She's in a long line of like leading women in the in music industry. Like you think of Kitty Wells, Aretha, Janis Joplin, Carly Simon, Dolly Parton, Beyonce. Now I would say falls into that. Billy Iris. I mean. She really paved the way for like your Swifts, Pinks, even beyond saying Billie Eilish, like, you know, with all the controversy and all the like her, like you're saying, getting in on the production, like then the themes. She really paved the way for a lot of the artists now that have really taken that and and, and run with it. But Madonna is just an iconic uh, figure. Yeah, she really pushed music forward. Definitely. I think. I mean, you have a good point, too, about like the MTV, like she really pushed MTV forward as well, really. Yeah, I believe she was probably doing the same thing with MTV that she was doing with the radio stations, probably sending video demos to them mm. or probably going into the MTV offices, you know, and, and like just making a nuisance of herself. Right. That's right. Um, so, I mean, she used that. She used the motion picture thing. Well, you know, she fell into a little bit of that video trap with the. Um, yeah. With the movie video, like like soundtrack videos are usually awful. Because yes. it's, it's like they're trailer clips, right? So yeah. she fell a little bit into that, I think. And I think there was something lost with. Then with Live to Tell, they they tried to change it a bit, where 
they separated. They did a little bit of a separate, but but for the most part, she kept. You know, I kind of used the moniker for him, uh, her to me, the moniker like you know Howard Stern's the king of all media because of all the platforms he's engaged over the years. She's mm. kind of like the queen of all media in a lot of ways because she mm. she she went and you know every platform, even if that Napster leak was leaked, uh, was was was. Well, forget the mm. Napster leak was important because that song was a song we heard music on Napster. That's how we were hearing that song, right? So, but I think in the end, the music always saved the day with her because yeah. she had solid music. Um, sometimes her departure from a previous album worked, and there were a couple of times it didn't, like with Erotica, it didn't work. Uh, Hard mm. Candy was an interesting one. I don't know why it didn't work. Hard Candy should have been a, one that was much better mm. received, in my opinion. Um, but, uh, and the other thing she really that people don't realize, she became very much a very hardworking live performer. Oh uh, yeah, her concerts are not concerts; they're entertainment. Um, there's incredible choreography that she does all of that with. Uh, just watch the Confessions tour. If you oh yeah, an example of that. But even when I go back to the Virgin tour. Uh, some pretty good choreography she was doing in there. Not that I'm a, you know, that's not a big deal for me, but um, you can't help but appreciate it at a concert, though. It, it, it doesn't hurt it, certainly. Yeah, uh, no. Her so, live shows were amazing. Yeah. I, you know, I kind of wonder she, as she's going to get close to 70 now where her career is heading. You know, we start getting into, you know, septuagenarians, you know, you just got to wonder. Mm. But We'll see. She's probably going to become one of the more elder stateswomen in music over the next decade is what we're going to start to see. Um, so let's see if she keeps that edge into that right now. It's hard. It's hard to believe she's in her 60s right now. She's going to be on yeah. Citizen in another year. So um, but what a career. Amazing. Career. Oh, definitely. Yep. Now we're into the new music portion of the uh, of the show, closing her out. Yeah, um, just a uh, yeah, so actually, we no, we didn't do it. Uh, new music 45. This is sponsored by Cigar Hustler, right? Uh, located in Deltona, Florida, they have a great assortment of uh, cigars, boutique, tried and true brands. Uh, great, great store, great humidor, great lounge, great customer service. You can't beat it. Um, if you can't get down to Deltona, Florida, you go to cigarhustler.com, get on their mailing list because uh, yep. they will announce all their specials. Uh, these limited things we talk about, they get them and they go mm-hmm. quick. So they do uh, go fast. And like Dave said, they sometimes push this stuff first to other retailers. So they keep very little for themselves sometimes. Um, but sometimes they also get some really hard to find stuff. They, they definitely do. Mm. Um, so you, you definitely want to do it. And, one, and of course, they have their own brand, the Postani brand. Um, and if you can't get enough of those guys, Go to uh, Hustle Universe, A Cigar Hustlers podcast uh, on podbean.com. And uh, now they have an assort, a coop. They have an assortment of, they have a sports show right now. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. So they do like sports shows too, I think. Yeah. Anyway. And, they're pretty, and they're actually really good, actually. So I, uh, they definitely have expanded their programming. And the, uh, um, it sounds like they're actually going to be subletting out their studio, I think, which is a brilliant idea. Really? Yeah. They've really invested in their studio down there. I, uh, I got to say, I was just thinking of this. The amount of pub we give Mike. I mean, honestly, he needs to send us more cigars. He does. You got to send. I mean, come on. He you know what? But yeah, he he a lot of Come on, Mike. We want some free. Come on. (laughs) I mean, this is what I mean. We're we're basically like, you know, help it help a brother out in Australia. 
No, Jesus. he's been good about sending you stuff. And I mean, he's, yeah, he was an original really quickly. Not to like keep pumping up Mike because that's yeah. all he needs. But yeah. the he was an original. Like when I first did Jukebox and I was trying to get I got Skip on and I could not find anyone to ship me Romacraft cigars to have on when Skip was on. And he's like, talk to Mike. And I emailed Mike and he's been a supporter of the show ever since. Yeah. So he's an OG man. Absolutely. And I order tons of cigars from him and give him. I've already talked about him too much on the show. I need to stop. We have. That's enough, Mike. Yep. It's enough for you. Um, new music. OK. I waited this long. But I don't Taylor know how you went to the whole album. show without chomping on this one. <laughs> Taylor Swift's new album is out. Of course, I bought it and I have a review up already of a song by it. I'm going to do an album review later. But the track is called Vigil Anti Shit. Uh, it's off of Midnight. That's the new record. It's it's a darker side. I think, Coop, this should have been the follow-up to 1989. So she did a f- couple tr- albums after 1989 to try and like change her sound a bit. And they didn't right. really work. They didn't really work for me. And this really should have been the follow-up, I think. Yeah. Because um, it's, it's very much in that The follow-up to Evermore. So this is the this is the follow up to folklore and evermore. Right, okay, this but, is the follow. Yeah, but I think I think really like this is the sort of this is the sound she was going for after 1989 that just didn't come together. I okay, think. got it. But it's it's really really good. So check it out. I'll have a album review up. I got the song review up. I I downloaded it immediately. Do, it's do you do you think was I don't know if this was in time for her to get a Grammy nomination. Did she just miss it? I was wondering. I don't know. I don't see. The Grammys are kind of weird about stuff. They'll sometimes stretch their rules a bit. But I've been listening, and I've only listened to it a couple times. But there's no real like. It's a great record. Like I love the record, but there's no like banger radio hit on it. I don't think. So I don't know how much Grammy pub it would get, to be honest. Yeah. But it's a great record. Uh, have a listen. Um. Another long awaited record is MIA has put out a record, Mata. And she hasn't put out a record since 2016. So people are really excited about this. Uh, the track I chose is called The One. It's it's a great track. It's good to see her back with the record. A lot of her fans are very excited for that. Um, so check that out. And because of MIA, I got album archaeology. Check out like the first record that really broke her to the world, and that was Kala. That had Paper Planes on it, which is like the song most people know. But it's a great record. So check that out from Album Archaeology. And Coop has an Album Archaeology. Yeah, it, it's a, I, I don't know if it's a bonus of, of what was the song of the album, right? So I'll, I'll do both, right? Um, mm-hmm. I've been wanting to talk about this for weeks, and I just kept... Oh, jeez. Right? So this, is, this came out a, few, a couple months ago. But Shaggy and yes. Sting are back together, okay? And I, sh- I should have mentioned this when we were talking about them a couple weeks ago. But actually, we were, it's, yeah. It's more of a Sting is, has just produced a Shaggy album of Frank Sinatra covers. Uh, it's called Come Fly With Me, right? So C O M Fly W I D M I. And the song I'm telling everyone to check out is the title track, Come Fly With Me. Shaggy spin on Frank Sinatra would do old blue eyes proud i think he'd like it um i think he you know i mean maybe he'd resist it a little at first but uh it's great uh sting also collaborates on one of the tracks you should you make me feel so young 
Uh, so it's a nice, I think it's a nice thing. It's again, kind of showing uh, apparently stag, shaggy and sting. We're going to do a full album, a second one. And I don't know. This is a pandemic oh, right. is what they said. Right. But I think they were able to get part of this done. And it's, a, so I don't know if they are going to get back together for another album. I hope they do. Uh, for sure. There is another shaggy album that's supposed to be coming out this year. So that, that has, it was supposed to come out early in the year and I don't know what the delay is. So, mm. so, um, so yeah, come fly with me. Uh, I think Shaggy, I said Shaggy does the chairman of the board proud of this one. Yeah. I mean, there's a long line of, um, of reggae covers, uh, that are really good. I mean, I, it, it brings me back to Toots of the Maytals doing, um, Country Road by John Denver, which is really good. Yeah. So yeah, this sort of fits into that tradition. So I'll be excited to have a, have a listen. You know, and, and I'll just say it's kind of shaggy is he's got his own like vibe of reggae is what I'll just say. He does. It's like, it's like shaggy reggae. And I don't know what else he could call. It. It's a very unique spin. He does. It's not he's not pure reggae, but he puts his own unique spin on it. No, it's, it's a bit of dubstep. It's a bit of yeah. R&B. It's kind of a bit of everything, really. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't me. It has a lot of R&B mixed in with that. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Well, I would put that more as an R&B song than a reggae song. Yeah. Uh, while the Christmas album is much more reggae than he yeah. does. Yeah. Not great. Uh, yeah. Great pick. I'm surprised you've been you've been sitting on that for so long. I, about five times, and then I, I I stoned out a couple times, and just I said I got to get this one out here because it came out like before the summer. This this one, it's been mm. out for a while. So, like, yeah. So, uh, but no, uh, we'll we'll check it out for sure. All right. That's, that's um, just, it. That's all I got. Well, before we close out, uh, if you are following the world of sports, um, I'm just going to say what things are right now. Um, the New York Yankees are down 2 nothing to the Houston Astros in game three. That, is, that series is done, surely. Like, yeah. They're uh, they're if they lose, they're, they're, I mean, the Yankees have been just flat as a pancake. Um, so, yeah, Looked. it's 2 nothing. We're in the top of the sixth inning as this goes. And the other thing is our, our friend Skip Martin's Texas Longhorns or in a huge battle with Oklahoma State, tie at 34 late in the fourth quarter or midway through the fourth quarter. So we'll check that. You know, wow. by, by the time you listen to this, those those games would have been decided already. Yeah, let's let's see. Uh, let's see what else we got. There's another one that I was looking at that was uh, like. Uh, it was uh, it was a bit crazy, but yeah, the, uh, the yeah skips. Oh, I was looking for Oklahoma. They're not playing, I don't think so. Uh, so uh, uh, Seth is off the hook. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're off the hook this week, Seth. So he's got his own problems. But, well, at least Baker's not playing this week. So yeah, <laughs> Seth's uh, he's you got send send Seth some cigars, man. All right. Down, down in the dumps, man. No, I know, I know. Tough year for him. Tough year for him. Uh, for his coach departs and the fo- program falls apart. So yeah, yeah. That's yeah. that's what's work. Yeah. Um, but you know, it's funny is, uh, just to close is uh, you know, fake Alan Rubin was telling me how, uh, Steve Sarkeesian can't coach at Texas or anything like that. You know, he's starting, I think he's starting Oops. to get that program in the right direction. So, um, you know, it takes a couple years to clean up from your previous coach. You know, it's all it is. Well, they just so, blasted Oklahoma. That was nuts. That was ugly. So, uh, eh. all right. So, but that's going to wrap up. This was a fun show to do the Madonna show. Uh, Stay tuned mm-hmm. to our um our Facebook page uh and you know obviously scarjukebox.com 
We'll announce the next show and the date here. Um, we've done we've, yeah, we've had a few shows in a row we've been able to do, which is great. So we've had three solid shows. So thanks to our audience again for for listening as well. Uh, but that's going to wrap up primetime jukebox into the uh, episode 82 into the annals of history for uh, this mid-October edition. Uh, we'll see everybody next time. Take care, everybody. <laughs>